essentially what you wanted the players to do was to collectivize and seize the means of production. Yeah, for sure. Yes. I said, I just I'm a wanted to know. I'm a revolutionary. I just, I just wanted to, you to acknowledge that your big suggestion is Marxism. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another great episode of Just Talking. My name is Michael Lipton. And my name is Josh. And we've got a good episode coming for you this week. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, particularly, we've got the start of the MLB season. We've got a discussion on the album Salad Days by Mac DeMarco, a discussion of the max salary rule in the NBA, and a discussion of the movie If Beale Street Could Talk. But before that, we've got some quick hits. Josh, what's going on with you this week? Uh, the big thing for me, well, there's two things. So on a personal note, I just started a new job. So excited about that. But on a much more exciting note, baseball is here, baby. Who's pumped about baseball? Baseball is back. Yeah. Um, we've had opening day, uh, well, a couple days ago, I guess. What was it? Yeah. Three, two, three days ago. It didn't feel like opening day though. I mean, I, again, I'm pumped, but like, I, I personally hate it. When, and they've done this more lately where they had like a J- Japanese series where they do like one team starts and then everyone starts like a week later. I know to the, this time it was like two teams started on the same day, but to me, I want it so like almost everyone comes back on the same day. That to me is like feels like opening day. It's just a celebration of baseball. Yeah. Um, I know they, they just had the, the Yankees uh, game and they had the Yankees versus Nationals and they had the Dodgers versus Giants. Was that the two opening day games? I believe so. I think it was the very next day. It was pretty much everyone else began. Yeah. Um, but that's my thing. Like, just skip that first day. Just go right into it. Uh, I kind I kind of, I kind of, I don't mind. Yeah. Honestly, because I, I feel like on the first day, there's going to be all the games, all the, all the stations can show what is considered the opening game. And then the next day, everyone can see their local teams play whereas you have one game that's the opening game that could be national and then everything else goes back to being local after that i get that some interesting things going on in baseball first off the blue jays are uh our home team um not going to be playing at home this year uh they they were originally going to try and play in toronto but that didn't work out then they were thinking pittsburgh baltimore was an option and now they've ended up in uh in buffalo where they're going to play i believe they've announced a majority of their home games so not even sure if all of their home games are going to be yeah there. I, I don't know why they thought pittsburgh at some point like to me if you ask me just where would the most logical place be it would be buffalo like we have a minor league team there it's right across the border it's close uh so i i think it makes sense and especially with no fans it's not like the ballpark is going to take be like that much worse or anything but it's still a very odd situation. But that's what happens when you're the only Canadian team in an entire league. You know, uh, as it is, there's already a million different. Each state has their own plans, but at least they're all under one country. Like, it's going to get weird. Yeah. Um, but even before opening day, there were some, there were some interesting things going on um, in baseball even before opening day in those preseason games. Um, Aaron Judge hit a home run with three outs in the inning already in a, in a preseason game against the Royals, which I had never seen someone get in that bat with, with three outs officially registered until that point, which was... So uh, I didn't actually see this, so you're going to have to tell me what happened. Um, the, the inning ended, and the Royals were 
you know, they would ostensibly go to their dugout to go hit, but the the manager wanted to give their pitcher more experience. So he said, no, 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 you're just staying out there. We're just throwing you out there against Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge just took this guy for uh, took this guy deep for a home run. And I was just good experience there, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking you're really growing as a player from these sorts of experiences where your manager's like, no, I know you did your job, but nah, go out there. Just take some abuse. You know what they always say about learning? Like, you should put them in real-world situations, like when there's already three outs, you know? The real, <laughs> real applicable situations that people are, can, can get used to. Yeah, so, I mean, that seems strange, but, like, how is, like, did they just say did to they, the ump, like, no, keep keep it going? Like, I don't understand how you do I that. I think they just had a discussion and said, we want to we want to keep them out there. And my question is, do, I assume those don't count as earned runs against, but do those count against, like, your, they don't count against your ERA, but your FIP? Maybe I have no clue. No, they count against your Fera, your fictional earned run average. Just <laughs> like for made up games. No, it's like it is weird. I play in a softball league, and like, you know, for us, we've had games before where it's over, and we've said to the other team, like, "Listen, you guys win, but like, you want to keep playing? Like, we ended early because we just like playing." Okay, that kind of makes sense, but this is like that's also like an extra inning, not like <laughs> let's go four outs or five outs like that's weird like i understand going an extra inning i do not understand changing the out number in the in the game that seems i i have no clue either i think it's that they were going to pull the guy after the inning so they wouldn't be able to put him back in but they wanted him to get like a some more experience i have i don't know how this works here's my question did they pull him right after he gave up that home run i don't know i don't i I wonder if they just ended i didn't check they might have just ended the inning at that point. Just like, okay, you hit the home run and now the inning's over. Like, they didn't wait for him to get a fourth out. I have no clue how it worked. It's just, when you're playing, like, make-believe baseball, the rules don't make... It's They're playing Calvin ball, is what they're playing. Yep. Good reference. Yeah. For those um, who don't know, the Calvin and Hobbes... By the way, is Calvin and Hobbes... You would know this better. Are those both... Is it a reference to different philosophers? Uh, yes. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure, because... Hobbes, I know he was a, a British philosopher, I'm pretty sure, and Calvin, I think of as the Calvinist, which was more religious theology, but I, I, I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty sure that the answer I'm is I'm pretty yes. sure that too, because like, I know it's about a make-believe tiger and a kid, but like it's kind of about life. It's pretty, it is, I like this. It is yeah. much about life. Um, other interesting things going on in preseasons in Royals pitchers. Um, I think one of the last games before opening day, the Royals were facing the Astros, and Altuve and Bregman were hit in consecutive at-bats. And I was just thinking, okay, so it begins. The the bean fest. So I actually thought that like COVID would, everyone would, I don't want to say forget, but like I thought, okay, like before that happened, everyone was pissed at the Astros and suddenly baseballs might not happen. And now that baseball's back, everyone would just forget it. Like, you know, I assume that that would be the case. Clearly not. And the weird part is, why the Royals? Like of all the teams that feel like they were like, you know, uh, wronged. Like the Royals, really? You think they, I don't they know. Feel their, their their managers are giving these pitchers a lot of work in the preseason. They sent that guy out for four outs. They're just like, I want you to practice protecting our guys, maybe. And no one's gonna feel bad if we hit the Astros yeah. just because. Fuck the Astros, I guess. I don't By know. To say we need practice hitting a guy is it? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they want to say like, okay, can you do it without making it like super 
obvious that way you don't get tossed out of the game or you don't get us warnings but you still okay. hit them so that way it just looks like oh you're just a bit inside and then you know so, that, so that the was... most obvious ways to give away that you were trying to hit them one make it against the astros eh. two don't do it in two consecutive players eh. okay three don't do it after three outs <laughs> like i don't know like <laughs> they're like just crossing all the rules I, I would love that if they were just like i, I want to give my guys more experience there's three outs no 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 no. and then you just hit like nine guys in a row against the astros and just don't let the inning end i mean it's the preseason yeah. you could get away with it yeah it's i mean i've always said this is actually the one year where i feel like the preseason has actually mattered because like i have i no longer understand why we have a preseason or spring training like i love it i would love to go down one time when when i'm available to go to see spring training uh see the blue jays but like at one point in time like 60 years ago guys used to have two jobs they used to dig, dig ditches <laughs> like in the off season and they literally had to like get back into shape today these guys are multimillionaires you really think they need like the pitcher is fine they need to warm up but i don't think a hitter needs like that much time to be back up in shape I, I, some of these guys aren't multi. I feel like if you're like on a two-way contract, you're just getting called up from the like you're a quad A level player. You're not making all that much, and you might have a job right. in the off season. Not not all of these guys, but the vast majority. Mike Trout is not <laughs> does not need spring training. <laughs> no, Mike Trout does not. But I mean, some some rookies might. I I don't know some minor league guys who are getting called up. I think it's still it's still something that you should have as part of the season. Um, I mean, uh, speaking speaking of guys who definitely don't need to like the preseason, Mookie Betts, he's got the money to just sort of, uh, to, you know, he doesn't need a job during the off season, especially now that he signed a big extension with the uh, with the Dodgers. I think he has the second biggest contract in history behind Mike Trout. Yeah, um, very not not the biggest extension, the biggest contract because it was an extension to an already big contract yeah um and i i found his contract interesting particularly uh the first two years are shifted from salary to bonuses that way in the event that there's any sort of prorating of the season those things are just paid to him anyways so hmm. he's guaranteed those for for those two seasons in case there's shortened seasons which i thought was um clever contract manipulation i guess yeah. yeah. Well, I think the Dodgers, I think the goal is like, I don't know, to me, it's like, don't cheap at your players. Like, let them know, put in something that's like not going to hurt you too much, but like, let you know, hey, we value, we want to show you how much we value. And I think the players will, like, just to go back, I know that we're talking about Mookie Betts, the extension, but like, I still cannot believe that the Red Sox traded him. Like, you were talking about, I think he's probably the second best player in baseball, but he's definitely top five. Like, no one could argue he's not top five. Yeah. People can argue maybe he's not, oh, I, I like this, I like belly better or whatever. But like, how often do you see someone of that stature traded? Very rarely in pretty much in any sport. sports in general. Yeah. I mean, the, the last time that I can think of someone who's that Kawhi? good getting traded was, yeah, I was going to say Kawhi to the Raptors is the only one that I can think of off but, the top of my head. But that right also now. makes more sense because Kawhi to the Raptors is like in basketball, one player truly can make a season. So it's worth going all in for a player for one season. It does not make sense in baseball. So like A, like Mookie is going to a great team. He wasn't going to go to a bad, he wasn't going to go to Baltimore. No, like, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't going to change Baltimore's odds enough. 
And I was pretty confident that he was going to get an extension. Meanwhile, Kawhi, I think we all knew like, hey, he might not get an extension. It was pretty unlikely. So I, I thought it was very strange that Boston, of all teams, like the team that probably is worth, I don't know how much they're worth, but they're like the third or fourth most valuable team in the MLB, was like, eh, let's save a couple bucks. Like, seems like a weird move, especially considering they have a good core. Like, they have a, like, there was a lot of other players that I thought made more sense to trade if you were trying to save a couple bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, this, this I, I can't remember all the details about the Mookie Betts trade because that's already old like, news. Yeah. Too pa- like, it was like a whole pandemic ago. Yeah, that is like <laughs> ju- this is like five months ago, and five months is a long time in 2020. Um, yeah. I mean, speaking of the pandemic in baseball, we've got our, our first outbreak of coronavirus also. Um, 12, uh, 11 or 12 players, I can't remember the most recent count, and two coaches on the Miami Marlins have tested positive. We were talking about we felt there was going to be a start to the season. We didn't know how much of a season there would be. Yes. I think this is going to be the, the very, uh, very important test. Um, if, if the MLB can weather this with no spread to other teams, um, then I feel like we're going to have a season. Otherwise, I feel like the season's just done. So, so back to my bold prediction from, from weeks ago. I've been saying for the longest time that there's not going to be an MLB season. doesn't mean I didn't think it would start, but I didn't think it would end. And again, I'm still hopeful. I still hope that we have a season, but at least it happened to Miami. Like, let's just all yeah. admit, at least it didn't happen to a real professional baseball team. Yeah, and and let, let, let's all say, if, if you had bets, you would have probably been like, it's going to be a Florida team that fucks what up What is first. the most dysfunctional <laughs> team in baseball? Oh, Miami. Yeah, it's going to be Miami. It's going to be Miami. You're in Florida. You're the Marlins. Just everything that can go yeah. wrong. It's the, it's the Marlins. That's yeah. just how things Couldn't things happen are. to a more deserving team. Got to admit that yeah. at least, you know, again, <laughs> I actually do hope all the players are okay. I don't hope anything about that, but you know, fuck you, Jeter. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, yeah, I, I, I hate Miami. I hate not the city, the people, if anyone, I doubt anyone from there is listening, but if you're listening, I love you. I love your weather. You know, do you, I love it. Cuban food. There's so, food, so good. Food, like, you know, living there must be great until global warming wipes you out. But uh, for now it's got to be great. <laughs> but seriously, the Marlins are the most dysfunctional team. And I honestly wanted to raise, and I still do. Maybe I should. Well, this year is the one year. It doesn't make sense. I had this idea for years of like once or not years, once Jeter bought the team, I said, and then sold all the players. Like think about how they sold Yelich and then he won an MVP. They sold Stanton who had just won an MVP. They, they traded, um, uh, JT Remuto, they trade like anyone who was any good, they got rid of. And so I said to show the team that like they they care so little about their fans to sh- to give them a big fuck you. Let's buy up every ticket and no one show up except they're playing in an empty stadium. Make sure it was on like a, a televised like yeah, a more a televised, game. televised game. And now unfortunately, I didn't have to do anything. You know, <laughs> just they're playing you in front of. You got what you wanted. Yeah, I know, but this is all your impact. fault, is what I'm taking away from this. Yes, that's <laughs> it. I started the pandemic with my wishes and hopes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, I got a couple other things. That you have anything else about the MLB season that you want to talk about or no? Uh, I don't think so. 
I mean, I would say, oh, I want to talk about my fantasy team, but you know what? The least. Oh my least, god! Nah, so uh, I was gonna say, no, 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 you didn't even let me finish. You didn't even let me finish. The only thing that you hate more than fantasy, no one likes listening to. No one likes listening to someone else's fantasy team. Even though I like how literally last week we talked about fantasy football. Yeah, but we didn't like, talk oh. about our teams. We talked about the ideas behind it. This is like you would be you talking about well, your team. I know. So all I was going to say, and again, I, said, I literally was saying I don't want to talk about my team. But the one thing I'll say is that I happen to do very well only because I drafted a bunch of injured players. And now that the season was off, I'm like, hey, look, everyone who was injured is now actually like healthy. And so, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that like, yeah, you're like, good for you. Good for you. Exactly. <laughs> Good for you. But I will say, um, fine, I want to highlight one player on my fantasy team who I think is going to be a breakout. I think Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs is going to have a huge season this year. You know Ian Happ? I know of Ian Happ. Okay, I'm telling you, mark my word, he's going to have a huge season. Donald Trump, huge season. All right, I'm going to say cool story, bro, and I'm going to move on to something else. Um, uh, so I don't know if you have, but over since our last episode, I've watched Hamilton on Disney Plus, which uh, sweeping the nation this uh, this filmed theater experience. Um, what were your thoughts, Josh? Have you watched it? I loved it, yeah, I have. I watched it, I think I watched it before you. I watched it like the first night it was available on Disney Plus. We, I loved it, so we like, I I've seen the play, and I've seen Interana, so not the original with Lin Manuel. Yeah. and now I've seen. I, I think we I think we talked about it on, on the pod. Yeah, but I wanted to compare the two. So, okay. seeing Lin Manuel, way way better than the guy who did Interana. I really really loved the Disney Plus, but I do think sometimes they, there was there's some advantages to film and some disadvantages. One advantage. I got a lot more of the emotional acting. Like they could really zoom in on people's faces. And I got um, the contempt that Burr had for for Hamilton much clearer. And I thought the acting came through and the emotional resonance. But there were other scenes where because it's a play, there's there's interactions between different characters and there's dancing and there's and sometimes they zoomed in on characters and it made no sense because there was one song where they zoomed in on one of the characters. I think it was uh, Eliza or something. Um, and everyone's dancing around her. And I'm like, why are you so zoomed in on her face? Like, zoom out and look at the whole people dancing and everything. And it, it kind of didn't give the good a, a scope. So I found that it, I actually thought it would have been interesting. Two things that I would have liked to see. One, pick your own camera angle. I thought that would have been cool. Like, do I want to be in the mezzanine? Do I want to be in the back row? Do I want, and you can flip through it. And two, I would have loved a sing-along. Do you remember back in those old movies where they'd show the subtitles and then there'd be like a, a ball that bounces from word to word? And that's a little bit more difficult with sometimes the pace of the, of the lyrics is very, very quick in, in Hamilton at times. Yeah, but you might as well just like, what's the harm? Just do it. I thought it would be great. I literally love singing those songs. We sing them all the time, and I would have loved a sing-along feature. I think Disney should do that for all their movies. Just have, like, subtitles, sing-along as an option. 
Okay. Um, so my opinion, uh, I, I thought it was better than our Toronto show, but overall watching it, uh, this is my opinion. And this has been my opinion pretty much since we watched uh, the Toronto show. And I, my, my opinion still applies here. If you've heard the cast album, I, I really don't think you're getting much benefit from any anything else. The cast album is great. If you've listened to it more than once, the benefit that you're getting from seeing it compared to listening to the cast album is not very significant. Um, just listen to the cast album. That's great. It's I, I think that's still my favorite experience has been that. Um, yeah, I, I will say one thing. Just random. This this has nothing to do with the fact that's on Disney Plus, but. Um, just something that's been making me laugh somewhat about Hamilton is just one line. Um, I think it's in It's Quiet Uptown when uh, it, it's uh, Hamilton is singing to Eliza and you know they finally come together and then all the, like, the chorus all say together, forgiveness! And it just always makes me laugh because it's just, you've, you've taken the emotion, you've just literally had like 40 people just say it out loud as a way to you know, project that emotion, and I always just thought that was funny. And watching it into the in in the Disney Plus, I was, I was laughing to myself. And Rachel was like, "Stop that! Stop! We're watching this." And I I can't not laugh whenever they're just forgiveness, and it just makes me laugh. Um. So so the line I think is funny is the very last song, the orphanage. Oh yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just the tone. It's like I know it's serious and it's not, but the orphanage. And yeah, it's that one. But I actually disagree with you about just listening to the cast album. I said, again, listen, don't get me wrong. The cast album is a great and amazing, but I did get something out of watching it. I really did get, again, that I got more of the, I, here's my opinion. The actors who did the original version on New York, the one that was filmed for Disney Plus, are better actors than the Toronto version. Um but I think the Toronto version is actually better dancers and better, I'll call them physical performers, other than just, uh, other than Groff. What's his first name? Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff, yeah. The spit coming out of his mouth was uh, pretty intense. No, but I did actually think that the Toronto actors were better, uh, like, I'll call them typical theater actors where they had big motions that were like the dancing and that. And I thought the New York cast had much better little emotions that were much better for on screen because you're zooming in on their face and just a little flash of the eyes to the left. You can't see that when you're in the 34th row uh, or whatever in the theater. But when you zoom in and you're showing it on Disney Plus, I thought a lot of those little things came through. And I did think that the acting um, really showed the relationship between the characters, uh, another layer of depth in there so i actually really enjoyed and I, I again i thought it added something to the to the and i i just it made me appreciate hamilton so much more oh, okay um let me think uh besides that the the other thing that i watched on streaming this week is i watched um ozark season three i watched it over the course of two days i knocked out the entire season um it's a really good season I had one thought, which doesn't have to do as much with the season as much as the whole show. And I was just thinking, based off of the, the color grading and a lot of the look of it, I just feel like this show should have been directed by David Fincher, just based off of a lot of the way that it looks. 
of the camera movements, the law of it, whoever's directing must have just been like, yeah, let me just watch a bunch of his stuff and, and copy that. And that's... I'm pretty sure Bateman directed a bunch of it. Uh, yeah, he directed... I think he won a, a not an, maybe an Emmy for directing last year for season two, and he directed the season premiere of season three. I don't know how many of the other ones he did. I think he did a couple of the others. But his his image, I think, is very much imprinted on the show. Like, um, so I you know I know that with TV shows, the same person doesn't always direct all of them. But I think that Bateman's vision really did come through. In in TV directing, the idea is that whoever whoever directs the pilot episode sets the image that the rest of the episodes are supposed to maintain. So all the directors, you're supposed to keep to the same image and style as that, that first episode because that sets the template for what the look and feel for the show is. So all subsequent directors are supposed to kind of use that as a style guide, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, so here's my thing. So... You finish season three. I don't want to do any spoilers, but season four is going to come out. It's the last season. Uh, it's going to be an extended season. In two halves, I think. How do you think it compares? Yeah, it's first of all, I also hate that when they're like an extended fourth season, two half seasons. There's like, there's true half seasons. Like Rick and Morty did like a five episode one season and then another five for the fourth season. There's others where it's like, this is, this is two seasons, but you just wanted to extend it. Like I think Mad Men did that where they did the final season was two seasons. Game of Thrones. I'm pretty sure did like season two, like season eight, part one and part two. Like I feel like they extended the shit out of that. But anyway, um, my question is, how do you think this compares to breaking bad? Um, I think it I think it's more interesting partly because the Laura Linney character is a lot better of a character than um what was uh Skylar was the name of the wife in, in Breaking Bad. Skylar Sisters. Yeah, um I, I think I think Wendy Bird is a much better character than Skylar. I think that's probably the probably the biggest strength of this over that. Uh besides that I think they're I don't know if that means that I like this show better because I don't think I like it better. But I think if if Breaking Bad had a, a stronger character for Skyler, uh, I think there'd be no comparison. But the fact that Wendy is just uh, like running laps around Skyler, in my opinion, in terms of character quality and development, I think that um, I don't know. I think it's a really really good show. The way that it escalates is better. I think the fact that Wendy is a stronger character, makes Marty's character more interesting, partly because he he's not Walter White in a lot of ways, because Walter White, so much of it was was his ambition, whereas so much of, of Ozark is he just wants to survive, and the only time that he ever escalates is when it's his only option, whereas Wendy, I feel like, has more ambition beyond just survival. Yeah, Wendy is the Walter White. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's part of what makes this show really, really great. Besides really good directing, writing, overall acting. I've, I think um, Ruth Langmore is an f- amazing character. The acting that goes into her character is incredible. Um, but uh, I, I think I like Breaking Bad better, but I think that this is probably the best crime show I've seen since that. Yeah, I, I love Ozark personally. It's a great show. I, I highly recommend no, I agree. Um, personally, I 
I mean, to me, Skyler is what, like, the fourth or fifth character in Breaking Bad? Like, it is, you know, the family isn't really that important. Well, Junior, no one really gives a shit about. Meanwhile, I think all the birds are very strong characters. The kids are strong characters. I think, yeah, Jonah and um, sister. I can't remember. What's the sister's name? Whatever the sister's name is. I can't remember her name right now. Jonah and the sister are much stronger characters than... Walt Jr. and the baby, obviously, since it's a baby. What do you think about a spinoff 20 years from now with around the baby? Huh? Just yeah. the baby, no baby and Walt Jr. together? I feel like it's got to be a, a two-part. You got to have, it's the baby and Walt Jr. going on adventures, having fun times. You know, I feel like that's the way to go for that. Maybe I can see it now. Maybe a different tone than than yeah. Breaking Bad, but um. Yeah, and it's Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte is the daughter. Charlotte, ugh, yeah, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte and Jonah are stronger characters. Wendy's a stronger character. Um, and Marty's a really, really good character, but probably not Walter White level character. But no, but that's I I find it more of uh, Breaking Bad was a, a twosome really. It was it was yeah. Jesse and Walt, and this is very much there's like you know an ensemble cast. There are like six main characters, if you ask me. Like I think Ruth is um, just as big a main character as Marty and Wendy, and yeah. I think well, it's 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 a, it's a three. It's I think it's essentially they've split Walter's character between Wendy and Marty, and then Ruth is the the Jesse of the show. I think the kids are, I mean, I, no one would think that they're the main character, but they're pretty, pretty important. Yes, they are. Um, um, yeah, they're, they're important, but I, I do think that it, the, the show is centered around for the most part, the Wendy and Marty's relationship to each other and to, and Marty's relationship with Ruth. Those are like the, the central relationships of the show. Yeah. I mean, I'll just sum it up this way. I don't think, that it's as good as Breaking Bad, but I won't rule out that it has the potential. Like to me, I, I, I this fourth season. Ah, actually, I don't even know because Breaking Bad is like the best in my mind is the best show ever, and it only had five seasons. I like shows that only go a little bit. I don't like shows that go on too long. Um, and I think they've done everything right so far. I think Ozarks every season has been really, really good. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, but we'll see. Yeah. Um. So I've I've got a couple other things to talk about. One of them is I don't know if you heard about British Columbia's um recommendations for safe sex. Did you hear about this or no? Nope. So they I'm going to quote the exact recommendation here. Use barriers like walls, for example, glory holes that allow you oh, that I allow for sexual this. contact but prevent close face-to-face -face contact. If anyone had government recommendation of glory holes on their 2020 bingo card, uh, I commend you. I did not see this one coming. I did hear about that. Yeah, um, which I just thought was so ridiculous. Um, I, I, it's not. I guess it's not bad health advice, but. Um, it's just weird to see glory holes in a government document. Um, yeah, I just I just wasn't expecting that. You normally only see Republicans in glory holes, not not both sides of the aisle. Oh! 
Cool. <laughs> you didn't think that? I, oh, come on. Come on. That was a good joke. Closeted Republican gay joke. That's a great joke. Okay. Um, yeah, and the the other th- I got one one last thing for quick hits, which is I've got a I've got a new pastime as my quarantine pastime, which is um uh Rachel and I like to go on walks. Criticizing other people's or... jokes is that your new pastime? No, it is not. It is criticizing stuff, but it's as we go on our walks, we like to look at the various houses and just judge and criticize architecture of these houses. Just that looks weird. That window is too large. That there's too much stucco on that. I don't like the color of that brick. It's become a really great pastime. I think I think it should catch on. Really, just you know, it, it's it's usually fun. Occasionally, it's awkward where you're like standing in front of someone's house and you're like shit talking their house, and you can see them looking at you through the window, and then you're just like, let's let's move on. Or occasionally, when someone literally walks out of their house when you're in the middle of talking about it, it's kind of, I mean. It's it's a minimal amount of awkwardness, but I mean, I, I accept it as part of the the hazard of this new pastime. I really hope it catches on. It's a lot of fun. I, I, you just need to have someone else who you can you can shit talk houses with, and just you get your exercise, you go out and about, you get ideas about what you the other person likes in architecture, and and you you get to be snipey. It's, what could possibly be better? Having an actual house instead of criticizing a house. Okay, that was a good answer. Um, that that is a lot better. Yeah. I would take, given the Toronto housing market, living in so, an ugly house. Then... Yeah, I, if someone was just like, I will give you this disgustingly architectured house where none of the this angle is inconsistent with that angle. There's nine different materials and textures on the front. The windows don't make sense and all that. I will take that just because Toronto real estate is, yeah um... well so i'll say that so aaron and i we often go on walks and we went on a walk socially distanced walk with a couple and yeah i was surprised like the three of us me aaron and um another uh one of our friends we all had pretty similar taste in, like no one's gonna have exactly but we go oh that one's nice oh yeah we really like that one and then the other person had the complete opposite they were like super modern they oh they they're like oh that's so ugly i'm like it's that to me looks like a classic house like it's got character you know what i'm talking about right one of those houses that it's not a big uh but he liked really garish looks and very sharp angles and new uh and i was just like eh, so so wait, you're, t- you're telling me you're also doing this that that this is the the past yeah, time I like it's not i I think this has been something that people have done forever. I think you just haven't gone on walks in a while, Michael. <laughs> when you walk in a neighborhood, yeah, like Aaron and I have been doing this. I mean, we also have a dog, so that's why we walk more often than you probably. But like we walk and we don't do the criticizing as much, but we go, oh, what do you think of that house? Oh, yeah, we really like that. And so we have like a list of like, I'll call them dream houses where we're like, oh, yeah, that one's only. And then we'll look it up when we get home. Oh, look, that one's only two million. Ooh, that one would be nice to save up for. Oh, that one's three. Like, they're obviously it's Toronto, so it's crazy. But you know, we like looking, and every once in a while, you see one where we're like, "That's really cute." Oh my god, it's not insanely crazy. Like, we can't afford it, but like, maybe if we really work hard, <laughs> you can get there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of likes walking around and just looking at nice houses and. And thinking again, we do it from more from also at the positive side. We look at what we like as opposed to 
the criticism side, the criticism side. And another new hobby I've had, I started running. I've been running now for four weeks. And so I like running in, uh, I find streets pretty nice to run down because they're not that busy. I can run on the road and there's not a lot of traffic and there's lots of trees on the side. So I've been running by a lot of neighborhoods and a lot of really nice neighborhoods too. And so it's, uh, it's, it's a hobby and it's also kind of aspirational. You know what I mean? You just go like, oh, and I always say this, to Aaron, I like looking at it and being like, I wonder what they do. How'd they afford that? Um, okay. So, so I'll say the big difference is one, you sound like you're doing it. Rachel and I will go down and we'll get every house on a street, both sides. It's just like every house needs to get thoroughly <laughs> taken. It, it needs to be analyzed before we move on. And you were saying, we, we don't really care what the people do to get there. We, we just, we just want to, I don't know. I think we just like to to, to be criticized. Yeah. yeah no, we, there's nothing wrong with that. We we more like we're talking. We're like, oh, what kind of what you've been up to? Ooh, look at that one. That one's nice, right? And that'll just it'll just be a little. Oh, I love the. There's one that we always call the purple bench house because it's got a purple bench. And then one night we were walking by it, and the lights on the inside are purple. And we're like, that's so cute. It's got a purple bench and it's got purple lights. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Aaron's like, I love that house. <laughs> um, no, but I'm like, the big thing for me is I just always want to know. I wish there was an app where I could just point it at a house and be like, this person's father gave him $200,000 or whatever. And like, I want to like know. A black, that's a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, just I like, Oh, I can just like point my phone at this person's house and get all sorts of private information on their financials and past. Yeah, that sounds I mean, not abusable at I all. Don't, I don't actually care about the financials, but I care about like what they do because like I care, are they in sales? Are they actually making lots of money or did they inherit it? Like that's what I want to know because I remember our parents went on a, a cruise with a couple. Well, sorry, they went on a cruise. They met a couple there and the couple, one of the guys in the couple was, um, he did optimization for airline um flights and i was like i didn't even know that was a job and he made like 200 grand a year and i was like i wish i had known that in university maybe i would have gone into that you know what i, mean? I just want to know i feel like you only know the jobs growing up like people are like doctor lawyer like there weren't that many jobs that you knew of and now i'm like there's a zillion jobs out there i feel like that's also we, we we're jewish so like when what jobs are acceptable doctor lawyer accountant I know. I know but i honestly if you ask most people like what kind of jobs are there like there's only they're gonna name you five or ten of the most common jobs they're not gonna say like none of those are very common jobs doctor lawyer fine they're they're well-known jobs is that better doctor yes. lawyer accountant everyone knows what they do like we went and met some uh people at a bar a couple weeks ago and i was saying how two of the people up there were doc uh, lawyers and so when you ask, oh, what do you do? Which is also a very North American thing. A lot of Europeans think like, why does it matter what I do? That's not how I define myself. But that's another point. It's very gauche to ask. Yes. Like. But uh, so they were like, oh, we're lawyers. Easy, like one word. And then the other person was like, I said, oh, I'm in sales. But people will then go, you can't just say you're in sales. Because they're like, what do you sell? What kind of sales do you do? Like you need more info. And one girl then gave the answer. It's like, oh, what do you do? And she's like, well, I do consulting for an engineering company that that manufactures pharmaceuticals. So I'm like, sorry, are you doing pharmaceuticals? Are you doing engineering? 
are you like in sales with the consultant? Like it was like, there's, it's hard to understand what she actually did, but like everyone knows you say lawyer. I don't, I don't think they actually know what a lawyer does, but they'll go, Oh, I know lawyer. I've seen them on TV. Like there's a lot of jobs that you don't see on TV or movies, you know? Yeah. Okay. Actually, there was an interesting thing I saw the most over indexed job, the job that you see the most on that someone has a job the most in TV or movies versus architect? yes, you got it. Architect. This is, I, I think that you think this is not a known fact. That's like a very common like joke that everyone on television is an architect. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I, that's my point. Like why? Because I think we can all know, Oh yeah, they're not like, we have a vision in our mind of what that is. Meanwhile, if I said, oh, I do flight optimization, like, I don't even, like, like, you can kind of get some idea, but, like, I didn't know that was a job, and I kind of wish I did. <laughs> I wish there was more jobs known to me when I was growing up. All right. Um, Especially of people who live in big houses. <laughs> you should, you know what, you just go house to house introducing yourself and say, no, it's not for the reason that most people go house to house introducing themselves. It's not that one. I just want to know what you do, because I want to be rich like you. Yeah. I'm assuming you were thinking pedophile, but I was actually originally thinking politician. Politician, pedophile, or Jehovah's Witness. Either way, it's someone you don't really want just knocking at your door, going house to house, introducing themselves. Yeah, I'm better than all three. I just want to know how much money you make. (laughs) (laughs) I just like your house. I want to know how I can afford it. So what do you do? Okay, so so you've seen, what's that uh, music video uh, with uh, Lil Dicky? Uh, save that money, right? Yeah. Where he just goes up to people and he's like, can I use your house for, a, like, maybe I should just do that. Just record it. Hi, how much money do you make? How'd you afford this house? I, I mean, you see him get mostly rejected outright by most people. It's doesn't actually look as much fun as, as that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, do, he does do it some, with some pretty nice houses, some boats nightclubs cars yeah he seems to i mean little dicky got ambition yeah and you gotta deal with failure like i always say it what's the like the michael jordan one like you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take okay um on to our next segment we've got our jam session for this week which josh you chose for us you chose salad days by mac demarco yeah i did great album it's first of all what i love not too long i think it was 34 minutes something around there yeah oh well again i know because like i said i've been running lately and i listened to this run the whole time and it was too chill it was literally too chill for a run i could not run to it i was like i just want to relax i just want to like stop walking and like smoke a joint like that's all i want to do not good for running you need more beats per minute but it is so listenable it's like you're gonna have more to say about this because i'm sure you're gonna talk about the emotions to me again i'm a very feels person the way it makes me feel and it literally just makes me relaxed it makes me feel so at ease this album just very peaceful yeah um so i i when i was making my notes one of my notes is literally just a single word that just is nice and that was like my my first and like my primary reaction was just nice. That's like most of how I felt about it, but I, I, I'll bring some more things. So it's for people who don't know Mac DeMarco, it's 
it's a lo-fi indie pop sort of sound is i guess how i describe it um i re- i really enjoyed this album um a couple things that i really liked i like his guitar like the tone for his guitar very clean no like little to no overdrive or distortion um and it's got a ton of reverb on it and he has really nice uh modulation provided by what to me sounds like a analog bucket brigade vibrato and chorus pedals which are just give it a really nice sort of tone beyond just the the lot of reverb and and the clean sound to it um and i i i'm not sure if this is going to be an album that i listen to a ton but i really enjoy this album i'm glad i listened to it and i got to know mac demarco sound better had you Um, ever heard it before i never listened to any of his stuff before this really yeah um i don't know it's it's I knew of him. I knew he was out there. I knew generally what, like, wor- like words were generally used to describe his sound, but I hadn't listened to it ever. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, and uh, songs on it, I, I, there's three songs that I particularly enjoyed. Um, I wonder Brother, if it's the same three. Okay. Brother? Brother, Passing Out Pieces, and Chamber of Reflection. See, and I did not do Passing Out Pieces. I did Brother, Chamber of Reflection, and Salad Days, which I love. Uh, the, the opening track? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the one that I really want to talk about most is Chamber of Re- Reflection. So good. So good. It's got, a, I think it's probably the most different song on it. It's, it's, the guitar comes in mostly in on the chorus rather than most of the other songs are built up around the guitar. It's got more of like an, not, it's not like super 80s, but it's got more of like an 80s analog synth sound to it, which I really, really like. Um, and I, I, I was, read up a little bit about what the chamber like the term chamber of reflection refers to and it's a um it's a freemason term before you were inducted into like the the society of freemasons they put you in a chamber alone called the society of reflection sorry the the chamber of reflection where you'd think about your life before and what your life's going to be after you leave this once you're a member of the freemasons and it's i kind of like that idea of just having a space to think about where your life is going so basically a sensory sensory deprivation chamber no no it's not a sensory deprivation chamber you know a sensory deprivation chamber yeah i know what they are but it's it's not like that it's just it's not like it's meant to make you it's just a a room it's not like it's one of those things where you know they they so it's solitary kind of but not as like disturbing it's not it's not something used to punish prisoners it's just a, a a space in which to reflect that's it Chamber of Reflection is a space in which... Voluntary, solitary confinement. I, I don't know how you're making like a peaceful, meditative space sound so terrible, but that's what it is. It's a peaceful, meditative space, and he said in an interview that's that's what he thinks of his studio. He goes in there, he reflects, and he comes out feeling refreshed and, and better and thinking about where his life's going to go, and I, I kind of like that. Um, now I like that, that you've, too. Uh, ruined the idea of it no, for me no. forever by turning into like yeah this is that you know our maximum security prisons should have a chamber of reflection is, is how you've made me I, feel i'm just saying it. they should they should borrow from mac to mark because i think prisoners would be a little more chill then you know no i'm kidding uh, <laughs> no i i actually love that i did not know that that's where it came from or that he said that in an interview but i really do i feel that way i said like i feel at peace um and again, not that I'm so meditative, but I do feel um, a sense of 
more of a sense of awareness, self-awareness. And um, yeah, I, I really like his music. I really do. Um, you should listen to more, honestly. It's very chill. It's very introspective. It's very uh, heartfelt. You can, you can see and feel that he puts a lot of the emotion into his music. Uh, I don't know if you read a lot about him. Like he, uh, there's a whole bit about, I watched a YouTube video about him, how he's, his dad left when he was very young and he has no relationship with him. And so there's a lot in his music about that. And like the, like, is he missing something or is, do you even know if you're missing something if you never had it? Um, but the music's great. Honestly, you should listen to more. Yeah. Uh, I, I might do that. Um, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have anything else to add? No, just listen to more. Uh, Chamber of Reflections is great. And I can't believe you didn't love, like, did you not love Salad Days? To me, it's just like such I, a I great like way Salad to start I like Salad Days. It. I like Salad Days. I actually think I like um, Blue Boy, which is the song after that. I think I might like that better than Salad Days, personally. Um, oh, one other thing that I'm going to mention, the, the ending of this album is, is, uh, is I kind of like it. It's, um, he... It, it's an instrumental and then there's like a little break and it's just a little spoken word it's not even spoken word it's just a message from him saying hey this is mac uh got more stuff coming for you later hope you're all having a great time bye and that's it it's just like a nice little mac demarco telling people to you know i didn't mind it i don't love it because i was just saying to aaron i was listening to a song the other day and i think it was by the avalanche i think that's the name of the band and at the end of one of their songs uh there's like a three minutes of just like ambient noise just like people walking through a park and kids run like literally just like you don't there's no song anymore you just hear like people walking and shit and I'm like yeah for four seconds if you want to say like thanks for listening cool or if you want to even do something weird for a couple seconds but like two minutes of of ambient noise is a little much and i'm like you know, I'm driving, I can't switch songs, and I'm just listening to these kids' footsteps. I'm like, ugh, next. But uh, yeah, no, I really liked it. And also, I thought, great first song. Like, it literally gets you into, you, you get the mood of the album immediately. And I couldn't think of another album where right off the bat, I'm hooked. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's a good opening song. It does, uh, it does set, the, the, set the mood right. Yeah. Um, anything else you got, or next uh next all right on to the next one do you have um do you have a bold prediction for this week any josh's bold predictions of doom yeah just that the mlb will last two more weeks two more weeks okay i mean 14 days i feel like if you chosen a different number i could do a, a, a like a ring like the, the ring seven days sort of thing but 14 days it just doesn't doesn't flow as nicely double ring Double ring. Okay. Double ring is your bold prediction of doom for the, the MLB. Okay. Um, all right. Going on to our next topic. I don't have any bold predictions this week. You never have any bold predictions. Bold prediction. Michael will have a bold prediction next week. He'll grow some balls and be bold. Wow. Okay, great. Um, so glad that you're going to define my masculinity by, by bold predictions. Not even bold action, just bold hey, predictions. I didn't, I didn't define your masculinity. You can, be a, you can be just as much of a man as me, even if you got no itty-bitty baby balls. You got, you, got, you got lady balls. You won't do it. <laughs> What's that from? 
That's from South Park, the um, cat, oh, yeah. cat for Gold episode. Yeah, that's the grandpa, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not the, the grandpa. That's the caller, just someone oh. calling in to, to speak to him. Well, you won't do it. You got lady balls. Hey, hey, hey. Saying something like that, that, that could be a, a lawsuit worth $48 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Such a good episode. Great. That's that's one of my favorite episodes. Um, God, great stuff. Um, so on to our debate for this week. We're going to talk about the max salary rules in the NBA. Um, I think just the NBA. Is the NBA the only one that we're going to talk about? Because I feel like they're the only one with max salary rules. Yeah, technically, they're, they're the only one with the max salary rules. But I was going to say, there was also recently, um, I don't know how much you know, so we can also borrow. I know there's some stuff a little bit on soccer. Um, there's not a max salary, but just they have I, I an have no clue. I have no clue. So we'll, we'll, we'll skip over that. Just if, you that want, if you want to enlighten us, you can, and I can so just react and give you it's my... It's not a max salary, but they're, they have similar to... The other leagues have a, a salary cap. Their salary, uh, the amount of money they can spend on transfers and players is based on the amount of revenue they bring in. Uh, and the amount of revenue they bring in is based, like, so partly that's also uh, sponsorship deals. And there's recently a big uh, lo- uh, lawsuit because um, one of the teams, uh, the owner sponsored his own team. So he owns an airline and then he used his airline. He gave his own company a huge sponsorship deal. And because that gave him more revenue, that increased his salary cap for his team so he could spend more money on players. And that's like a huge circumvention of the rules. Yeah. Um, so again, it's not like a, it's not the same, but it's some like there's just weird, weird soccer uh, rules that I was like, maybe we could discuss if you know anything about, but you don't. So no, I, I'm also just, I'm going to say one thing about soccer, which is I find the, the soccer system very demeaning because you don't trade players for other trade players you like specifically purchase them it's just very much you are an asset that i'm buying for money from another team that's the transfer system i just feel like that's a little i don't know i find that very at the same time that so this and this goes into the uh, like the max salary like lebron james has a max out he cannot earn more than that and so there's no way for him to really know what his true value is in the nfl there's a salary cap. There's not a max salary, so you could place, you could pay someone whatever they want. But in essence, you can't because there's a salary cap. So if you paid Tom Brady, which you wouldn't, but whatever, if you paid, um, you know, Lamar Jackson. Sure, I was gonna say, sure, Lamar Jackson. You know, if the salary cap is 150 million, you're not gonna pay him 150 million, right? So there's in essence a cap. With soccer, there like there is a cap, but really because of the transfer it's much more obvious what their value is. Oh, you're paying me 30 million, but then you sold my $30 million contract for 80 million. I guess I'm worth 110 million. You know, you know what I mean? Like it is much clearer how much they are worth because you're literally saying, I will buy the right to pay this player $30 million for X. You're like, well, clearly I'm underpaid. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just think that, it's the the only sport that I can think of where players are bought and sold for money. And I just find that weird and strange. And it just leaves a sour... It leaves a bad taste in my mouth is all I'm going to say. Okay, max salary. Okay, the max salary. Do you want to take the... the do, you, do you want to take sides or do you just want to discuss? Let's just discuss. 
Okay. Um, you want to talk about reasons why it might be good or reasons why it might be bad or what? So I personally think it's bad. Okay. I, but... I have some reasons why it could potentially be listed as bad. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to rephrase put... that. You think it's bad. I think it's bad. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's, I don't, I never said I think it's bad. I said, I have reasons why you could argue okay, that it's bad. So let's hear your, let's hear your talking points first. Okay. So top players in the NBA are underpaid. That's for sure. It, the, the max salary, the big bad is that restricts the earning power of the players that actually make money for the league. Okay. There's a couple players that make a ton of money for the league and they are the most valuable things to the NBA, right? LeBron, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry, Giannis, those guys make tons of money for the league. LeBron makes the same amount of money as Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris, essentially. But in terms of his value to the league and his value on the court, he earns a hundred times more money for the league than Middleton yeah. and Tobias combined. Yeah, if Tobias disappeared from the NBA, like literally just like someone retired else put today. On, well, I was gonna say just someone else put on his jersey and just sat on the bench. I don't think many people would notice. I'm like not even kidding. I don't think people yeah. would notice. I, I so the fact that Mike Conley, Chris Middleton, and Tobias Harris are on the same type of contract as LeBron James when his like everybody knows that the gap between those three guys and LeBron is like as as big as the gap as, between those guys and guys who are on the bench, right? I think it's bigger. Like I like there was a great analysis I read which was like, okay, if you just take a random player, like or let's call it an average player, right? An average player in the NBA has a 3.3% chance of winning an NBA title. Because there's 30 like there's 30 teams so if you're a player on it uh, like an average player on an average team it's 3.3 right very simple math right yeah a star player an all-star player they did analysis an all-star player has a five percent chance a little better not not like decent anyway a superstar a guy who's an mvp has something like a 20 percent chance so the difference between the average player even a even a shitty player is like a one percent chance or a 2% chance. But like the difference between a shitty player and an all-star is a, a fifth of the difference between an MVP and an all-star. Like, yeah. LeBron is just so much better. Yeah. Um, so that those are pretty much my only reasons why the max salary rule is bad. I've got reasons for why it's good as well. Okay. Um, so I don't think it's... I think it's bad, but necessary. Because let's just say hypothetically that we had an open market right yeah a completely no max salary but a salary cap like some of the other leagues were okay lebron would get a hundred million yeah Clearly. okay they, they would offer they would offer i don't know 60 percent right now they're limited at 35 percent of their their cap limit he'd be offered double that like 70 percent of someone's cap at least at, i'm saying at least like you don't think that there's a team like the knicks who would literally be like we will give you 90 percent of our salary cap and we'll just fill in like the knicks suck they would have a better team giving 90 percent of their money to lebron and the rest to scrubs yes so like i think so some good that would come from it I, there would be no super teams none 
you would never get a super team because you just couldn't unless like you drafted someone like you could draft or, someone or potentially someone could just sign for less than they're worth thinking hey most of my money is not coming from my on the court stuff anyways lebron makes most of most of most of his money from nike and so on right Except he makes most of his money from nike because his salary is limited if his salary was uncapped he wouldn't make most of his money do you wait what do you think how much do you think he makes a year from nike compared to what what is the oh not the max salary what's the he, salary okay. cap in the in the nba i think he makes more than a team salary cap each year from nike it's possible but in my mind maybe lebron does but most of these guys are not so yeah maybe one player would but like most of these there's a lot of guys that make a lot of money but they're not making 70 million from uh deals they might make 20 or 30 which is equal to what they're making or maybe a little more but like if you were uncapped and they could get paid an extra 20 or 30 million the other thing i see that could happen uh i think there'd be a lot of uh right now what is it like boston and la have like what 30% or 40% of the league's uh, total championships, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, in history, yeah. I think that this would actually be better for smaller teams because right now, if you're LeBron and you have no incentive to sign for Milwaukee or Phoenix versus LA, you're getting paid the same either way and you make most of your money from uh, sponsorship deals. Where do you think the sponsors want you? Do you think they want you in New York and LA? Yeah, no one wants you in Milwaukee or Phoenix. So I think it makes it more fair. But I also realized that it'd be very tough to have five players make 70 plus percent of the salary cap and basically everyone else make between 500,000 and a million. And basically everyone's getting paid almost the same uh, except for five or 10 players. You know, it'd be very tough. Yeah, okay. It would also be... It would theoretically, in some ways, be more indicative of the like the actual on-court value of these players. Because you said the difference between an all-star and a bench player is a lot smaller than the difference between LeBron and an all-star. So if you're an all-star and you're getting paid closer to a to a bench player, that would be it. Would create a more in a way, it'd be it would be more indicative of the of their value, but. I feel like part of it also would be if there was a free market, the year before someone like Giannis goes and hits the, the open market, teams would be eviscerate. Like right now people prepare for those sort of free agency markets, but some teams would just eviscerate their entire team just to get that sort of cap space. They would have set themselves up to have 14 minimum salary players and nothing else on their team, right? If you're, if you're vying for Giannis... And, and, and it's you, possible, but you would at the same time cut every good player on your team. Maybe, but at the same time, um, you know, there'd be more people trying to do that. So there'd be like, why would you, and, it, and, and then it comes down to just dollars and cents. And if dollars and cents is at the end of the day, all that matters, like it, you know, there's the loser's curse, you know what that is or the winner's curse. Sorry. You know, the winner's curse. Um, no, I don't know what you're okay. referring to. So in let's use baseball because it's an uncapped one. So let's take Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Let's say I think he's worth 200 million. 
And so I offer him 200 million. And someone else thinks he's worth 220. Someone else thinks he's worth 230. And someone else thinks he's worth 400 or three, uh, 280. The person who overpays the most is going to be the one who wins. The exactly. Most. So if the average, which is generally the best predictor, is ends up being 240, to win, you have to be over. So the person, exactly what you said, the person who overpays the most gets the person. And so in some ways, um, you know, in baseball, it's bad. Maybe in basketball, you can't overpay. Like maybe literally with LeBron, like literally paying a hundred percent of your salary cap, or or you know theoretically a hundred percent of your salary cap, and the rest is minimum players, is the right strategy. I don't know, but then like is everyone going to do that? No, but there's going to be if you are in the lower portion of the league, you're like okay, I'm going to have a high draft pick. Everyone else on my team is kind of useless. I can potentially sign LeBron and have the first overall pick. That is worth more than my entire rest of my roster combined. Yeah, and that might be. But at the same time, because mid-players, it'd also be interesting because then there'd be more guys selling to, to go all out after all-star uh, superstars. But there have been teams. Now, there's, there have been teams that won championships like this, but there have been teams like the Nuggets, for example. They don't have any, they, they don't have any um, free agent superstars, I'll call it. And same with the Jazz, where they don't have any free agent superstars. I, I would say where's, Jokic where's is, Mike Conley playing right now? Um, he's not. But would you call him a free agent superstar? They didn't sign him; they traded for him. They okay. Well, he. I was going okay. I didn't realize that. I thought he had signed because I know he, he signed, signed with the Grizzlies, deal. and then he got traded there for not much because he's like a negative asset because of the the money. But um, like the point is, like the Jazz have built around like. Both those guys, actually, both the Jazz and the Nuggets have built around a big man who was a late pick, Jokic and Gobert in their two cases, and a bunch of decent players, right? No one, no one's a superstar there. No one's a – they don't have any – like, again, other than those two guys, they don't have any, like, real MVP candidates. Um, and those are interesting ways to build the team. I would even say the Raptors have built a very, like, strong team without a true superstar – um pascal's starting to become that but i think you might see more teams like that you might see more teams that are and i think they'd be more competitive because if all the teams that had superstars couldn't do it with a super team because guys went all out to sign lebron then the best teams would actually be weaker so i think you'd see a more even spread of talent throughout the team because some teams would go we're all in on lebron and other teams say we're all we got three all-stars but no superstar um, I think it'd be a much more even team. Um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I don't know if it'd be good or bad. I think it'd probably be bad for the NBA, but I think it'd be good for 50% of the teams in the NBA. And it'd be good for 2% of players in the NBA? Yeah, be, oh yeah, exactly. It'd be great for 2% of the players, Fifty great for 50% of the teams, um, and bad for the NBA as a whole. It's interesting, actually, now that we talk about this, how... The same thing can be good and bad for very different actors within the same organization and, and league. Yeah. Because yeah? I do think like this would skyrocket the chance of like the Suns winning a championship. Like I don't see them ever winning a championship in the near future. But if you implemented this, I think they actually would have a decent chance. Why would you think they would have a decent chance? Just in the next 10 years, like I think they have a, a mediocre to good team that is never going to be one of the best. I think this like would weaken all the best teams, and so they would be like, it would make it more even. It, you know what it would make it more like? 
it, I think it'd make it more like baseball where like right now we do have some, some heavy hitters in baseball where we have the Yankees in Houston, but for the most of the last decade or two the in Dodgers. baseball and the Dodgers for who most are the, the last two the best have pretty consistently been, I think the Dodgers have probably been the best franchise in baseball for the past decade. Them or the Astros. Well, yeah, it depends how long the timeline, but Astros and Dodgers have been the best, but over the last 10 years though, um, you know, there haven't been actually that many he- like heavy favorites in baseball. Again, it's relatively new that the Astros have been heavy favorites. For a while, we had we had Kansas City. We had Kansas City versus the Mets in the finals like, a bit ago. You know what I mean? It was like, the Mets is who they faced? I forgot yep. that. And that's my point. Like It's very much more even. And teams, we had Cleveland. We had um, teams go in and out of the playoffs. And everyone, once you make the playoffs, have, has a decent chance. I think the NBA would be much more like that, where there's a stronger middle class. Right now, I actually have nothing wrong with the way the NBA is set up right now. My problem is the playoffs are too goddamn long. When you have the system that it is right now with the max salary rules, again, you're going to encourage super teams. And when you encourage super teams, the first round makes no sense. The eight seed is never going to win. The seven seed doesn't win. The six seed doesn't win. The five seed maybe. Like, why do we have the first round? And that that's my problem. I If you really, like, just admit the NBA is about, is top heavy because of the max salary rule. And because of that, either have shorter series. So instead of best of seven, do best of five, or maybe even best of three. Or cut the first you're, round. You're, you're forgetting that that still makes a lot of money for them. I know. At, very, at what cost, what is the cost to them of having a, a first round compared to what is the benefit to them of having a first round? And that's maybe my thing is like, who benefits? The owners. Who loses? The, the fans of the team. Like to me, if I'm a fan of Sacramento or the Suns or like any of these like, non-destination places that have no chance of winning like the, you're you're basically just stealing a little bit from them every year and listen the win, the the Wait, owners so are winning how are you how are you stealing from from the fans of this because they city? never have a chance of winning you're you're basically saying you are here to be a punching bag we need 30 teams we want to make more money but you have no chance the of winning fans and you're never of those win. cities get to see the some of the top teams in the league they get to have a hope they get to bring money into their cities right there's no you loser to go- it you think money goes into the city Nah. people okay they're they're people who still have to you know journalists and people who cover the games come people who want to see their teams play and potentially win the series they go to these other like money still like is, is there, there's no way that money is going out of these cities during these series i'll say this if if you funded your arena all the money you bring in from a from all these series is negated by one arena in in like a lifetime that's the point i'm sorry say that again when cities fund arenas which most of these a lot of these places say hey we need a new arena we're going to relocate unless you fund our arena yeah okay that will negate all of the financial impact for the lifetime of that arena that the, the team brings in. Yes, but adding that first round brings in slightly more. You could say the wear and tear on the arena is slightly quicker because they have an extra two to three games at home. They also have an extra two to three playoff games at home in which to bring money in, right? And playoff games, I would think, would bring in more money than non-playoff games. Who is like? I'm trying to really think who is losing by having this first round. Because I don't think the fans of those teams are. 
I don't think the, you could argue the players, but do players get playoff bonuses? Because if they do, then there's more money going to the players also. I really don't see anyone even losing at all. I, I find that. I don't know. To me, and maybe this is just me, and my I'm too nearsighted because everyone I talk to, we don't watch the first round. Nobody we know. Because it's boring, and I actually think it detracts from the NBA as a whole. I know a lot of people, a lot of message boards, where they say, wake me up when it's like the conference finals. Okay, so those people aren't watching, but I assume some people are. I assume there's still a lot of ad revenue pr- pr- uh, produced by that, right? I assume the TV contracts that are given out are still big, right? If it's seven games, why not go nine games? You'll have more games. You could. More revenue. Why not? By that logic, why not 15 games? risk of injury reduces the i think a seven game series where at some point you're going to be resting your players more compared to a 15 game series the risk of losing one of your superstars compared to the money that's brought in i think that they've probably as an organization the nba has made quite a bit of money i i really think that they've got this right i think if those people don't want to watch they don't have to someone is someone's making you know ad revenue and ticket sales and all that stuff right yeah listen I, I my whole thing is like we think it's your your argument seems to be well this is the way it's always done and it's a it's a it's, uh, it's not my argument to authority argument. well they must know what they're doing no I, i'm thinking that you're thinking that you've been on a message boards and heard people say wake me up at the end of the first round compared to i'm sure if you check the viewer ratings they they might not be as high as the second or third round of the playoffs probably higher than the average NBA game, probably still For bringing sure. money. I also think the NBA I, should be a shorter season. Yes. I think this is what I think. I think the NBA being a shorter season, much bigger to me than getting rid of the first round. To me, I like, and I guess maybe this is my thing. Like there's, there's a difference between what is a better product and what will make more money. And I think oftentimes those are at odds. And I think that gets Do down you to the core you, you of the You actually issue. think it detracts from the value of the NBA having the first round? I do. I literally, it does not get me as pumped. Like, does it detract? I mean, it's it's in comparison, right? You can't say, does it detract from it? It's, does it detract versus? I honestly think if there was, um, a what like, if they skipped the first round, I actually do think I'd be more pumped, probably. It, would, it wouldn't drag on so long. Like, the, the NBA playoffs last forever. They're three months, buddy. Yeah, and if your t- if your if your team is in it, or do you give a shit? <laughs> but that's the point. Only three or four teams every year have a chance for the whole season. This is maybe the one year that's not true because of the bubble and because this team's more even. But like they've done research, and basically, you know, ninety nine percent of t- uh team uh, championships have come from the teams before that preseason had one of the four highest odds. So we're talking about 70, like for the whole season, 85% of the teams have no chance. When the Raptors were in the playoffs before the, the championship year, did you watch all of their playoff games? All those years that they got wiped nah. out by LeBron. Did I watch all of them? No, but I watched. Did you watch ninety-five percent of them? Even no, if but I going watch... into the season we had a zero point zero zero one percent chance. I think of I winning. watched every one of the second round ones. I did not always watch the first round. Depended on how close the the like. I think versus Brooklyn, 
I think I did because I think we were uh, like the, uh, the the years that we were the underdogs. I would watch the years that we were the favorites. I wouldn't watch if that makes sense. So like, if you're the favorite, I assume you're going to win. If you're the underdog, I watch because I'm like, ooh, maybe there's a chance for an upset. So when we when we lost to Brooklyn, were we not the favorites in that it's series? A bit, wait, which which Brooklyn are we, actually? Sorry, did I say Brooklyn or did you say the Nets? I was thinking I the said Nets. Brooklyn. I know, and I said the Nets. I was thinking the older no, one. No, you said Brooklyn. Okay, fine. Uh, I don't know if we were favorites. I did watch that year though because that was pretty fucking close. I'm pretty sure we were favorites, and that was an upset. So it, I think we lost them twice. That's my point. And so I said, which year? I I don't remember, but. Yeah. I, I've watched those games. If your team is in the playoffs, even in the first round, like if you're the eight seed, you're still watching those games, right? That's my point. I don't know. Like it, you maybe. I honestly don't know because I honestly most of the times do not watch. If I'm, if I'm, I don't know if Orlando last year, if many fans watched. Especially if you go down 2-0 or 3-0, I think a lot of people just turn it off. It, like maybe they watched the first game. I would actually be interested. I would love to look up the stats on this on uh, viewership based on how tight the contest is. Because I will admit, I definitely also tune into a series, any any series, if it goes to game seven. Would you agree? Like, or almost always? No, there's some that I just don't give a shit about. Either okay, way. there's lots of series where I'm like, I remember a couple years ago there was like Boston versus um, the Bulls first round. But it, or maybe it was second round, and it went to Game 7, and it was a crazy series. And I missed the first couple games, and I watched Game 7, and it was great. But I didn't watch the first couple games of it. I, I heard about them, but there's just not enough time to, to watch all the sports. Uh, now, also, that we haven't been seeing sports for a while because of COVID, maybe now we're also having, like, this, I miss it so much, and I want to watch more. So maybe now I would actually watch any game no matter what. Like, does not matter if it's first round, second round, the worst team ever. Right now, maybe I would watch anything, but I know that my my history has been just kind of meh on most games. They just don't matter that much. I don't know. I think, I think the playoffs are probably watched more than the regular season games. It gives oh, sure. those. It gives the teams of these the 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 fans of these low seeded teams at least some hope being in the playoffs compared to like yeah you know halfway through the, if if there's only four teams that make the playoffs the season length needs to be like twenty twenty games the top so, four teams are are like right you, you, like if 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 seeds if the the sixth through eight teams are not making the playoffs halfway through the year you know you're like. 20 games in, you know if you're making the playoffs or not, right? The season, the, the NBA season would have to be 25 games if you only had four seeds. I don't know about that. Because, again, as it is, the, the season goes all the time. And, like, f- there were some teams, like, Cleveland was, like, knocked off, like, eliminated from the playoffs, like, 20 games in or something. Like, yeah, but if, if, if you weren't going for the eight seed, you're going for the four seed. They get eliminated by, like... I know, a but that's quarter of the way through the season. But that's right? my point. Why do you have to cut the season? As it is, I think we could cut the season. I agree so as well. I think we need to cut the season, but I think that if you're doing half that, the amount that you need to cut the season doubles. If right now you say you need to cut off like 15 games from the season, if you only have four seeds, you need to cut off like 40 games from the season, right? And then you're getting rid of like three quarters of, of the, the total season and postseason. I'm with you where I would rather see the season shorten than the playoffs shorten. I'm just saying, like, to me, you know what actually be a crazy idea? Just two basketball seasons a year. Just have two short seasons twice a year. 
They used to do in ba- in ba- uh, baseball. They used to have two All Star games. They used to have a winter All Star game and a fall All Star game. I'm pretty sure. Basketball, twenty five game season, then a short playoffs, and then a co- like six months later, same thing. Double the basketball championships. I. It's the only way anyone's going to catch up to Bill Russell. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, that's not a priority for me. Someone catching up to Bill Russell is not something that I really care about. Um, I don't know. I just think that I feel like if you had, if you eliminated the first round, viewership for the NBA as a whole for like the regular season, the second half of the season, no one would watch. No, but what do you think? So, so a, I feel like if you right. If if you have a eighty two game season and four teams make the playoffs from each conference, like Michael, p- viewership to, drops off after the first. Maybe, month. but MLB used to have a hundred and sixty two game season, and four teams made the play or uh, six teams made the playoffs in total. Not six. Yeah, they used to have six. Six teams made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, before that, it was four. They used to have four, but that yeah, was Yeah, I remember four. When was there six? I thought there was six. I thought they used to do uh, one from each division. No, maybe I'm wrong. I maybe think they went from four to eight, because I don't even know how you do six. And we'll, and we'll touch on that, actually. Let's go to this right Does, now. Did a third of teams get a first-round buy? No, I guess that I must be wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I guess a third of teams in, in the... in the NFL get a first-round buy, but that just seems weird in baseball, that said, if you're like... I could yeah. be wrong there. I thought I know they had eight. I know they had eight, but it's also eight, but maybe not. Baseball's, I feel like a lot closer the team's records than they are in in the NBA. Like, what's the best record in a usual baseball season? Oh yeah, year? it's a the difference between the best and worst from a percentage standpoint is maybe like sixty five to thirty five. So you're talking thirty percent, and in basketball you're talking. Uh, 85% to 25%. So you're talking a 60% difference. Yeah, I just think that because Sorry, of the... 60 percentage points. Yeah, I I think the fact that you have that bigger difference means the season and the number of playoff teams kind of works better for baseball than it does for basketball. I think basketball, because of how drastic the differences are, if you had a four, like an eight total team playoff, it kind of... Kind Most- of... The limit, like you really only need a so what did you think forty game season about MLB said they're going to because of COVID they they're now going to do a sixteen game playoff starting next sixteen team sorry what did I say sixteen team with a very short first round yeah and what are your thoughts on that is it sixteen or was it eight it was sixteen teams sixteen teams okay um I think that sixteen is too many for baseball I think. What's the point of playing 162 games if you're just? Um, get... wait a second. Right now we're at right now we're at 10 teams, right? Yes, but ten, but not really because it's 10. I think it's right now it's 10 teams, but only eight make the real playoffs because four of them are vying for wild cards and only half those make it. Which to me, I know some people hate the one game plan, but to me, I, the way I, I want like you the to one game plan. earn yourself. You yeah, if you haven't. To me, that incentivizes you to really win your division because if you don't win your division, you could you could get one game, you could be gone after one game. So it really makes those other ones more valuable. Yeah, um, I, I, you know what? I think a six. The, the only reason why I, I, I don't really like it for baseball as much. If all, if the if some of the other sports said they were doing an expanded playoffs, I'm more okay with that. I think like with what? baseball, 
I feel I feel like if the NFL said instead of doing a 12 team, they were doing a 16 team. I'm more on board with that than MLB doing 16 teams is just I it I kind of bothers me just because then, especially if now like, okay, the the Dodgers I've said I think have been the best team in baseball for the past decade and have zero rings to show for it. Partly because baseball you can't you, just because you're the best doesn't mean you're going to win. In fact best team probably does not win more than 50% of time. I'd say about yeah. half. Yeah. Depends no, cause I they... think that I think for the past decade, they've probably been the best team in baseball for like half of those years. Uh, so I guess here's how I would define it. Have they been the best team or have they best been the best team over the decade? Cause you can be the best team over a decade and never be the best team in a year. I think in individual years, they've probably been the best team four times over really? the past. Decade. I don't know. The Astros I think they've have been, been pretty fucking good. I think I I don't think the Astros have been better than the Dodgers in any single year. Oh my, really? Oh my! I think the God, Dodgers Michael. are like the Dodgers are an incredible team. Top the, like I, okay. I, okay. I think you're forgetting how good the Astros are. I think the cheating scandal has made people forget how amazing they are. And you know what? I will admit something. I could be completely wrong, and maybe that cheating scandal really did have a huge impact on their win percentage. But I really don't think it did. I think it was very minor impact. There's very little research that lets us see how big an impact they had. And like when I think about it, when I think, okay, who's one of the best second basemen in the league? Okay, Altuve. Uh, who's one of the best uh, shortstops in the league? Uh, Correa, when he's injured, is he the best? No, but he's like, he's definitely a top third. Uh, who's one of the best third basemen? Uh, Bregman. Who's one of the best uh, center fielders? Uh, uh, Springer. Uh, who's one of the best pitchers? Uh, Garrett Cole, who's on the team, who's it's like, I literally feel like they have, uh, and then what's it last year they had, what's his name? Oh my God. Who is the rookie? Uh, Alvarez who had like in half a season, what's the name of the rookie again? Do you know the rookie who Astros had last year? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. He had the craziest half season you will ever see, ever see. He hit, uh yeah it, it was it was insane so when i look at their team top to bottom they have prospects up to wazoo they have players at every position they have depth they have stars they have everything like when you ask me the astros are easily the best team the dodgers though might be the best team over the last decade because the astros have only been good for like four years yeah i i i don't have numbers in front of me but i i I yeah, Dodgers were great hitters, but sorry, the Astros were great hitters. But I think probably if you looked, probably the Astros were like one like probably the best team offensively. The Dodgers aren't two or three. I would be surprised. The Dodgers weren't two or three in baseball last year in pitching. Also, I would be surprised, right? The Astros were probably top five or six, but I I, I bet you if the the Dodgers were like two or three in both of those categories. The Astros were definitely, were probably number, probably, no. You're not going to hear me doubt that the Dodgers, I don't want you to think that I don't think the Dodgers are great. The Dodgers are great. I love me some Dodgers. But they, like, when I look at three years ago, their team, before Belly broke out, like Belly, Bellinger last year was an MVP candidate. Uh, Before that, he was just a slugger. He was good, but he was not, like unreal. He was very much like a Jock Peterson type where he like, 
He walked a lot and he hit a lot of homers, but he didn't uh, do enough else. And when I look at the rest of the team, listen, they're pitching. Clayton's a beast and their pitching was great, especially when healthy. But they did not have the kind of, uh, they were very much like up and down, very solid, very good, but they were not top to bottom beast mode. So you're saying before 2019? Uh, yeah, I mean, like last so year. So I, were... I, I decided to look it up. In 2018, the Dodgers were the number one hitting team in baseball by WAR. They were the number two hitting team in baseball by WAR in 2019. Behind in who? 20, behind the Astros. In 2017, okay. they were the number two baseball hitting team behind, behind the Astros <laughs> by point four of a WAR, by half a win, okay. and they had a four win, like four win, uh, leverage over the number three team. So the past three years, they've been, uh. Two behind, one the, and two behind the Astros in two of the le- seasons. <laughs> yes, by by like for one of those it was like half a, a war. I, yeah. I didn't see what My it point was for is, the other year. Again, 20, there's no doubt the Dodgers are really, really, really good. We're splitting 2016, hairs. 2016, they were number four, and the, we're, the Astros were. We're splitting hairs. We should, and this is why I hate. Like someone said, the worst thing you can talk about is superlatives. The best, the worst, the fastest. All I can say is. I love the Dodgers. They're great. Do you? I thought you hated the Dodgers because you're a Giants fan. I hate the Dodgers because I'm a Giants fan, but I also love Mookie Betts, and I love what I see from the Dodgers, and I just appreciate good baseball. It's like a fine wine. You know what I mean? I just go like, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, getting back to how we started this conversation, for, for the Dodgers – I, I don't like the fact that there's going to be 16 teams because I think the Dodgers are probably going to be the best team in baseball probably this year. I would agree with you. But because and they the got fact bets. that they've... I think even before they had bets, I think they were probably the best team in baseball. And I think that if you take out... If, if you do just a normal 10-team like playoffs, much better chances of winning. Whereas now a 16-team... Playoffs. The, each round, even if you're they're the better team, one versus eight in their in their conference, they have what sixty percent chance of winning that series. Yeah, and each round, like yeah, even if you have a seventy percent chance, I don't even think you have a seventy. Baseball playoffs said, are mostly a crapshoot. Oh, for sure. But I'm saying even if you had a seventy percent chance, even if one extra round drops your odds significantly, I know. So it's just it, they've made it even more of a crapshoot, and I just kind of don't. I think the a, an ideal playoff structure is is not like the NBA where it's just like if you're a top team, yeah, you you essentially should you can sleep through the first round, and it shouldn't be that the top team wins like you know one one quarter of of each world like one quarter of the World Series are won by the actual best team. It's got to be somewhere between like eighty percent and twenty five percent. Yeah, if you expand it to a sixteen team playoffs. I mean, it's it's the odds for the best team winning are I just think are too low. So I like how you said going back to our original conversation. I mean, our original conversation is about the max salary, but I know. But I'm saying when our, our okay, we <laughs> went on our Dodgers aside when we were talking about whether or not they were the best team. Going back from that, because the way that we got on that was the the 16 team playoffs. So I wanted to say two quick things. One, the player who had the rookie of the year last year was Jordan Alvarez. In half a season, he hit 27 homers, 26 doubles, and had a 1067, 1.067 OPS. Just amazing. Like, literally crushed everything. Um, and he was, like, 
a midseason call up. Like that's how good they are, the the Astros. But again, the Dodgers this year are better because the Astros lost out. They probably lost something due to the scandal. They uh, lost Garrett Cole, and the Dodgers meanwhile got better and got bets. Yeah, I'm 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 going to say for for just for the Astros thing, it's a it's an unknown how much the scandal helped them. It's it's what I'd call it's a known unknown is is what. But it it's can't called. help them not having it. No, it can't help them. But it's I I you're you're of the opinion that it helped them very little. I'm of the opinion that it helped them more. But what will it's 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 an unknown that will never actually it it's it's a known unknown that will never ever ever become a known known. There's no way to 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 put an exact percentage on it. There will never be that that level of certainty. Which and so maybe you know if you want to make the argument the Dodgers have been the best because even though the Astros were better they cheated. I I'm okay with that because there is some and, variance. And they also the lost to the to the Red Sox who who cheated that didn't they? Yeah, that's the other thing. Everyone that's, cheated. That's two World Series that potentially were were. Tainted. Everyone cheated. Like this is the point that I think is dumb about the Astros scandal is that um yeah, everyone, how think, many how many how many teams do we have evidence for two okay, the yankees the red sox the astros the yankees is the big one you heard about that one there was like a supreme court justice was like we i we we want you to un like the mlb kept it secret because they wanted it not to be public and the judge says no you have to make some of the evidence public um, I don't, and I, it was a big I deal i don't remember this one okay well the red sox and the Yankees also use the smartphone watches to relay messages to the play. There's a lot of info that a lot of teams cheated. And, um, you know, teams have been calling other teams out for cheating forever. How much will be provable is hard to determine. But, like, first of all, the Yankees are the biggest bunch of whiners ever. They were whining, oh, the Houston, they cheated us out. They were just as much cheating. And I think that's the thing is, like, I don't know if you've ever heard that old phrase, like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yeah, I've like, heard that, but it's it's. I do think, and look, the the Patriots do the same thing. I do think the best teams. I'm not saying they should cheat because I don't think they should cheat, but I think they push the limits. And sometimes the limits are within the real the realm of the rule book. Sometimes it's gray area, and sometimes they cross it outright. But I think all the best teams try to find an edge wherever they can, and sometimes they're going to cross the line. Yeah. Um. Just just quick aside, I, the Patriots have had multiple different cheating scandals that have been of various varieties and they're not even like of the same kind they're all over the map in terms of that stuff um i'm trying to think which one i even think would have been the the most impactful of theirs that's I... my point do you think any of them were a serious advantage um for the patriots no but i might be forgetting one i don't know i feel like filming did they film the Rams before their Super Bowl? Maybe. And got... The one that they filmed recently was they filmed the Bengals, who were in Yeah, that players. one I think that you're probably fine on. Like, the, I, that just seems dumb. Like, what the risk of getting caught versus, oh, no, the Bengals. But, so that's the point. So there's this great book called The Extra 2%. It's about the Rays and how in every – and there's actually also a, um, this story about the English cycling team and the guy – was looking for a 1% edge in everything. He looked for how can we wash our hands better to reduce the risk of uh, getting sick because when you're sick, it it uh, reduces, like it takes you longer to recover when you're training. Uh, how can we get you better sleep? He looked at pillows, all this weird shit, and people are going, how is this going to make a difference? 
Now, it also came out that that English cycling might have also been using some other performance-enhancing drugs to make sure the team did well. Blood doping or just straight science? I don't remember exactly, but, like, cycling did and you, winning... Did you see the HBO mockumentary, the cycling mockumentary? I, I watched the trailer with Andy Samberg. Yeah. I didn't see it, but, uh, yeah, the I saw The blood doping trailer. jokes in that one are just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think when you look for an extra 2%, here and here and here and here you're going to find a lot of two percent and sometimes you're going to cross line but it's not each individual thing it's that it culminates in collectively 10 15 20 percent 20 a huge difference right if you find two yeah. percent here two percent here two, they seem small and again that's why people laugh why were they filming the Bengals? they probably done the patriots and houston and the ash uh, the yankees and all these teams have probably done a million things that they never got caught for because either they were gray or they weren't caught and they were illegal or they were completely legal, but they're always looking for an edge. And when you're always looking for an edge, you're going to cross the line sometimes. And I think the same, not to get political, you could do, you could see the same with companies. There are companies that like Google makes a shit ton of money and they're the third most valuable company. How much have they been fined? How much does Amazon get fined? How much does Facebook get fined? These companies push the line but it, that's like they're always looking. For I feel edge. like they have a, a a line in their budget for fines for, you know, chicanery and stuff yeah. like that. They probably and, have a line in there that's just like, okay, uh, we're going to account for there being like a two hundred million dollar fine every two years from something that we got caught doing that we either knew was wrong or we didn't even know was wrong. We're going to hit with. I'm sure that they have that in that for every year and every year that they don't get hit with. I'm like, oh. I guess we can do another Google Glass project or something yeah. like that. Oh, for sure. I bet you. And I wonder the if there's been a project that's been entirely funded by like extra money from not getting fined Maybe. that they earmarked for that. But I, I think businesses, or I think we've, we've convinced ourselves that businesses, their only goal is to make money. Now, some people, obviously, I think there's also uh, a, a duty to stakeholders. But I think people think with sports, oh, you have a, uh, you know, there's sportsmanship and there's this, this sense of community. And so we shouldn't be doing that. At the end of the day, someone owns the team. It's still about business. I guarantee you that the owner of Houston is pretty fucking happy that they cheated and won a championship. I'm sure his pocketbook is happy about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like the, yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like that's, we've gotten off topic about Max Alley, but I feel like we've, said our piece i actually I, the one thing i never gave my my opinion on whether i think it's good or bad um Wait, before you do we'll go one more thing so i think if i had to take this whole discussion which went all the way from from soccer transfers to um went all the way from basketball baseball really i think at the end of the day it's about like what is fair and what should should things be that's really at the end of the day what it's about both from a salary cap perspective from a from and from a playoff perspective those were the main two things is what is fair from a payment perspective how should people be paid and in a playoff system what do we think is fair do we think um everyone should have a chance do we think that there should be a round where you know teams have no chance do we think the dodgers are getting shafted because now we're lowering their odds and I want to get your opinion on what is that right balance of fairness to uh, equality, I guess you'd call it. Like, okay, um, I, th I think the line, I, I can't put an exact number on it, but I think that being better, being objectively better should have a discernible objective 
increase of of expected outcome to that that I like in playoff systems if you're the better team there should be a better chance that you win right and it should be somewhat commensurate to the difference in in, in talent i think in basketball the difference in talent between the first team and the second team over a seven game series is going to be okay well this team has like an 80% chance of winning each of these games over a seven game series. They're like, I have a hundred percent chance of winning. I think it's too much in basketball in baseball because the difference in talent produces a, a smaller difference in outcome. Um, as a seven game series is more appropriate and having fewer teams is more appropriate. It's an aesthetic thing, but I think that I, I think it is purely aesthetic. Essentially it's a, it's a matter of taste there's no ob- objective. You oh, of know, course not. This is better, but um, I, of course I not. Think, but you're wrong. This is the right way to make it. No I'm kidding. I think <laughs> I think in baseball, fewer rounds in basketball. Like having an additional round, pretty much does not affect the odds of the top five teams in the league of winning the championship at all. But they increase the odds of a, like, you know, like the fifth seed or the. I guess, of the, of the fifth or sixth seed compared to there not being one, it doesn't really affect if you're a top two seed uh, so of, of you winning the championship. Can I go back? So you said in baseball, you said fewer rounds, did you say? I think baseball is better when there's fewer rounds in basketball. More like I think baseball having the 10-team or 8-team playoff is a lot better than it, it would be in basketball. I think so- basketball having the round where there's 16 teams doesn't really decrease the odds much for those top teams. So I want to know what you think about this. Again, it could be a terrible idea, but I think baseball, I agree that like the top teams really should be, um, you know, they they should get something for being the best. So I was going to say, what if the top two teams got a buy and then I think the... kind of that's what should be in basketball because the top two teams, their lives are not real. Like I the seventh you. and eighth seed, you can just eliminate and just have the top two seeds. Yeah, you should have the 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 footballs system should be used in basketball, in my opinion. That, that would work for me too. But I was gonna say in baseball, top two seeds get a buy, and you kind of have more of a wild card style for everyone else. So there's still so everyone else has to prove. So are we just arguing that football has the best playoff system? Because we said basketball should move to the football playoff no, system. No, I didn't say I that. You football, did. You did. I think. Uh, do, you, do you think that basketball should move to that? If you got rid of the first round for the, the top two seeds in each league, is it better? I think it is, but I think it's better. Better than that, I would just prefer just do a three-game series in the first round. That, I think, is the easier mix, which is just... Three games, because as it is, the eight seed versus the one seed, the one seed normally like sweeps anyway. It gives the underdog more of a chance. And what I'd also like to see, because my big problem with basketball is, again, like most of the teams have no chance of winning. And then people tank. And now we've done, oh, we've obviously, like, this is a little off topic, but people have changed the lottery odds because they said, oh, too many people were tanking. We don't want it to be too advantageous. What I would like to see, I would like to see a tournament, a tournament of all the teams that lost. 
And based on where you finish in the loser tournament, that's where your odds of getting the first overall pick are. Because to me, I want to encourage teams to not suck. I want to see teams that yeah, say like... but what's to stop a team from... So wait, they need to win the tournament in order to... To get better odds. So they still don't get the first So it's like, pick. if you are like the ninth seed in your... If you just missed the playoffs by like half a game or something like that, your odds of getting the number one seed are so much better than if you're the, the like the, the Suns or the Pistons. It's only the bottom six teams in each league. That's what I'm saying. If you're the nine seed in your division, in your conference, if you just missed the playoffs, right? No, then you, sorry. If you're only half the, a game out of making the playoffs. So fine. It's only the bottom four teams then. It's literally like not, I, that's why I said the bottom six. I think there's, uh, yeah, I guess six would be the nine. Uh, no, sorry, six. There's seven teams that don't make the playoffs in each division. So if you're the nine seed, you wouldn't technically get this because you just missed. But anyway, the point is, I know what the exact so, format. So then would there's be. disincentive to make the playoffs. Then no, no, there's disincentive. Because that's the like, point. If you are, if you are if, the eight, if you're the ninth or tenth, you should still. If you be are sh- like the, why not? I think if you're the if you're the eighth seed and the eighth seed never wins anyways, what's not the thing of being like, well, I don't have a chance. Why not just try and get just to the to the to the tenth seed? And then I'll I can dominate in this tournament of shitty players and get the first overall pick. No, because again, but again, you're not gonna get the first overall pick. It just increases your odds. That's the point. Yeah, I'm just saying that there's there's too much. You're you're just going to change your incentives to something that's different gamesmanship. You're going from gamesmanship of sucking to gamesmanship of sucking the right amount instead of the, the all the way. You're Could just be, changing but I guess your gamesmanship. It could be, but I guess I hate the way that it currently is. And the way I see it, we do this in my fantasy league, which is that um, in our fantasy league, now obviously in fantasy, there's it is not the same level of uh, difference between the, the odds of the eight seed winning and the odds of the first seed team winning. But in our fantasy league, the loser of the consolation gets the first overall pick. Now, again, I said this shouldn't get the first overall pick in, in real basketball. They should get the uh, better odds. But I also said that it should be a three-game series. So I'm thinking if you both improve the odds of the eighth seed winning by making it only a three-game series and you get rid of the incentive to really suck, I think that I don't think teams would say, yeah, hey, let's tank. I think they'd say, fuck it, let's go for it. See, but I don't want to increase the odds of the eighth seed winning. I don't. I don't want to see those first round upsets. I'm fine with the number one seed. That's why I just think you should get rid of that one seed. Okay, first fine. Round. So let's combine the two systems. One seed gets a buy. Only uh, so you get rid of the seven, the the eight and the seven, right? No, if you get rid of the, are you getting the one seed to buy or the one and the two seed to buy? Uh, what's what's the math for those? Well, okay. Do you want to get rid of the eight seed, or do you want to get rid of the eight seed and the seven seed? So fine, you get rid of the eight and the seven. So then you do the one and the two get a buy, and then you only get the bottom four teams or whatever, or six teams play a tournament. Okay. Or you have everyone play a tournament, but everyone plays a tournament in different rounds. So in other words, like you play a tournament of every four. So in other words. You can only improve a certain number of spots. You can only improve within four spots. So the bottom four teams can all improve within those four, but they can't, the fourth best team can't go to the 12th pick. They can only go one, two, three, four. So again, the eighth seed can't become the first seed, but they can move up a little. 
I think this is too complicated a system, and you have two tournaments going on at the same time where you're detracting from the playoffs by including a losers, multiple losers tournaments. I just think that it's not. I don't. I I loser kind of, tournament. Loser tournament. No, I kind of am happy with the way things are right. I mean, okay, in terms of the 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 losing and the reducing the lottery odds, I thought that was an appropriate and pretty good fix where I don't think we need additional fixes to reduce tanking. Just by the way, you do know that the NBA this year looked at a mid-season tournament because they said there's too many teams that have nothing to play for and people are falling yeah, off. I we talked about this and I know. I'm saying my solutions aren't going to be perfect, but I do think there's something to, again, to me, a mid-season tournament, the only reason you have a mid-season tournament, I think would be the loser tournament. I think you should literally have, or something like that. Cause to me, a tournament mid-season that's for nothing makes no sense. Yeah. Um, I thought the mid-season tournament was stupid. Having a loser's tournament mid-season doesn't work just cause you don't know who, you know, the, the, the odds could change after that. I think you could know that. I don't know the bottom four teams. I think are yeah, pretty... but what if you're the fifth worst team in, in in your thing, and then by the end of that, you're in the bottom four. You miss the tournament, so you can't actually improve your odds. But at the same time, you're shittier than some teams that did improve their odds. You can't do it mid season for something like that. A mid season tournament, by definition, can have no meaning, like on anything. It's terrible and stupid. Um, anyways, I think that. Baseball playoffs should have few rounds. Basketball playoffs, top two teams, give them a bye because, I mean, th th that's essentially just an, uh, an opportunity for the top players to get injured. And, yeah, it's not going to affect the playoffs in any other way. Probably changes some odds somewhere, but I don't think in any significant way while providing better incentive for those top teams to try and get buys. I'm pretty happy with the football playoff system. I think there should probably be. Did, did they institute reseeding in between rounds for the playoff systems in the NFLs so that way? I think so, but I'm with you where the reason why the NFL system works so well is because it's a one-game playoff. That that Honestly, that is why. I think you could make... It's the same reason that everyone loves March Madness. I don't mind if a team that has zero chance of winning plays if it's one game because you're also like, but anything could happen in one game. It just makes it crazy. It makes it crazy, but I, I, not as much of a fan of too much. I think that there should be a balance between anyone could win and the t and the top team is guaranteed victory. I yeah. think you want a balance between those two. Fair. I think I think match match strikes that balance well because it gives everyone a chance. But at the same time, I, don't. The, I think the, March Madness is way too much. Is way too much. Of there's too much madness in my March opinion. Madness. Is that what you're saying? There's too much madness yeah. in March? It's, it's why I rarely pay attention to it. Well, it's like the most watched sporting event, so you're in the minority. I am in the minority, but aesthetically, March Madness doesn't do much for me. Fair. To me, it's, the... it's too, like, I, I think there should be a, a fewer, I think, basketball has too few upsets. March, okay, NBA has too few upsets. March Madness has too many upsets. Uh, aesthetically, an ideal basketball tournament for me is somewhere in between those two. Okay, I personally I think March Madness is right because there's always going to be some teams that get upset, but at the same time, when you look at the Final Four, it's generally like a one seed, two one seeds, a two, and a four or something like that. It's not like 
sevens and eights always win. There's normally like yeah, but also most how, of the top. How teams. how long is there? How long is their regular season? I don't know, uh, twenty five games or something. Yeah, I feel like when you have an eighty two game regular season, having a more secure playoffs makes more sense because you're more sure the best teams are the best teams. When you have like a twenty five game season, it's less so. I feel like you're the 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 rankings are less secure in that way than they are in a eighty two game season for sure. But not just that. Think about it. in the basketball, everyone's playing. NBA teams here there's different divisions different some teams aren't even you know they're playing much much different competition so you have to adjust for the level of competition and it yeah definitely the NCAA the the ranking is is much more different um, because you can have a team that is ranked in fourth and yet they have a way better record because they're yeah. in an inferior but I don't know I'm I'm all for chaos I'm team chaos yeah okay also this if you had an 82 game Regular season, the number one seed loses in one game in the first round. Don't you kind of feel like, well, well, fuck me at that point? Yeah, but guess what? So the, the so one the eight sorry the eight seed or the sixty four seed. I'm 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 saying not not in not in NCAA. I'm saying if in the NBA you had an eighty two game season, and then you had the number one seed in a conference knocked out by an eight seed in the just in a one game playoff. Why don't you just feel like, well, fuck me, this regular, like, who gives a shit about the regular season at this point? It's all a crapshoot then. I don't think it's all a crapshoot because, like, the vast majority of the time, the number one seed would still win. But that's the point. What percentage should the number one seed win? Should they win 99% of the time or should they win 90% of the time? Like, what is the right amount where the number one seed should get knocked off in the first round? In the first round? That's my question. Over an 82-game season in basketball, like, a, a quarter of a percentage. Okay, and I'm much higher. I'm like 2%, 5%, something like that. I don't know. I, I feel like you're pretty secure. You're pretty secure in knowing that the number one seed is one of the best teams in the league, right? So from yeah, a but... producing a champion who is the best team, having that first round, one over eight, being as high as possible makes sense. From a this is if exciting perspective, team to win. that's what I'm saying. If you're just from an excitement perspective, it's lower. I want a balance between those. And the fact that, you know, we're pretty sure over an 82-game season that the number one seed is one of the best teams, they should not be knocked out in the first round um, unless we're very sure that they're the, wor- the worst team. Which, which is why I'm actually pro give the first two seeds a bye, like you which said. Is, uh, yeah, I think it's a suggest- good idea. Because then there's a 0% chance they get knocked out. Because to me, I think once you start playing, there should never be a team that has a 99% chance of winning. Never. To me, it's but why are you playing if there is a 99% chance? Like, I think the most you should have is 95. So I'm saying whatever you have to do to make it. And, and to me, if you give the top two seats a bye, then the second round, which is the first, like now it's the first round, quote unquote, for the number one seed. Now, if they only have an 80% chance or 90, I'm, I'm more down for that. Like, to me, I don't want to see a game that's a foregone conclusion. That's not yeah. why uh, we okay. show up. So, so then how about this? First two, the, the first round, top two seeds get a bye, and for the rest of the teams, it's a three-game series, and then from there, five game for the second round, which is the first round for the number one seed, and then seven game for uh, third round, seven game for finals. Three, five, seven, seven with, two, with first round buys for the top two seeds. 
I'm down. I'm down. Okay. We'll shake on it. Yeah, that's for oh, basketball. Wait, no, we can't. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do the elbows. You want to do an elbow, elbow bump? We'll, we'll elbow on it. We'll elbow bump on it. And and then where do we fall on salary cap? What do we think for the oh, okay. NBA? Um, I think I think it's good just because otherwise the league is just way too way too divergent in the salaries between you know the a top ten player and a top thirty player. Right. If you're the 10th best player compared to the 30th best player, if there's no salary cap, what is your difference in salary for 30th best player should theoretically be the best player on one team. Right. He should still be the best player on at least one team. And he would be getting so much less than someone who's like 20 players better than him. And I just think you're you're looking at as either yes or no. I'm looking at it. I think there's a way that we can move a little more towards that without being 100 percent. I think, so there'd be two things I think that would be interesting. One, you could increase the max salary. So right now it's like 35% or 40%. You could move it up a little. Yeah. I think it'd be more interesting. You don't move it up a little, but you give away team ownership. So you're like, you now own 1% of the, the team. Well, okay. No, um, I mean, just offer them stock options. No, but to me, like... It's your CEO. You get you get this much amount and you get stock options that are worth more than your salary actually is. I don't know. It's How about ba- this? It's you just raise... You, you, you increase the percentage of the salary cap just a little bit, but you just raise the salary cap anyways because I just think the players should be getting more money because they're 100% of the value of the franchise compared to the ownership who provides i believe labor should get more than capital in these situations yeah. <laughs> well no but th- from my perspective i think a lot of people could get behind lebron owning one percent of the team or something like first of all that's generational wealth like that is yeah. crazy money um and to me you are making the team like lebron joining the lakers makes the team he yeah, but then, then also that also is going to switch which franchises you play for because you got to think what franchise is going to have the most long term value. OK, maybe right now, like the Oklahoma Th- City Thunder are really good. But do I think long term, the Thunder, one percent of their franchise is as valuable as one percent of the Knicks who own their like, do, uh, do they? No, they don't. I know, own but them. you could also say, but wouldn't you say like, hmm, OK, I how would that work for the Raptors million, also? Because they're. I, part of MLSE so they're part of a, they're owned by a conglomerate yeah. I don't know you could definitely do a holding company that owns the only get a share of the Raptors portion but then you're me, changing uh, you're enforcing ownership structures on these teams which is also I'm a sure it's I'm sure it's a lot easier for the accountants to figure out but I would love to see like think about you go hmm I'm Giannis do I want to go to the Lakers where they're offering me one percent or do I want to stay in Milwaukee and they're offering me five percent ownership I want to own this town. Like that's five percent. Okay, that's <laughs> you should. But think about it. right now. There are different rules for how much you can offer your player based on if they are returning to your team or not. Right? Like so, to encourage, Giannis can get encourage teams to be able to retain talent. So that way, they don't just go to New York and L.A. Correct. But right now, without having teams... to give up more value, and yet players really aren't using it that much. Right? LeBron left. Kawhi left. Lots of people think Giannis is going to leave. You know what would really encourage it? Ownership. Okay, that's you can do that. I think just raising the salary cap is an easier fix where people get more money. It, it, it spreads out. Even if you maintain the percentage, literally everyone in the league's doing better except for the owners. That helps all of the players and doesn't like give the two or three superstars like 
a huge gap between them and everyone else. Which, yeah, I guess if you're fair, LeBron should like LeBron, Steph, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. They should be like uh, like four of the only five players to like yeah. that would actually get that. You're essentially just saying for the top five players in the league, here's a new option for everyone else. No, but that's the point. You would without raising salary at all you have now made lebron worth his like you are now paying him his worth i think league owners would rather just raise the salary cap at that point i'm sure they would i would love to see this i again this is just a personal thing you know me i love chaos yeah i think that's too much anyways i'm i'm kind of i i have i given my opinion still or no I feel like we we've talked about yeah I gave my opinion on the salary cap I think it's yeah good. like literally um, thirty seconds ago. Well, uh, I can't remember because you've gone off and gone on this crazy. I'm going to say this crazy tangent about offering ownership stakes. It, I, think I don't know why is, it's so crazy. I I that, I think that you're to too you're too controversial. You're not controversial enough. I think you're you're you got to look outside the box a little. Okay, so here's it. So no, actually, let me say something. You just said. The players get like the we should raise the salary cap because the players contribute a hundred percent of the value to the league, right? Pretty much. So I was thinking, why don't the players just start a league called the Players League, where anyone who joins gets a percentage of the league because they are the ones contributing to the league. And this is, you know, to me, it's you are enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you're LeBron. And you go to that league, you're going to make that league really, really important. And therefore, you're going to increase your share significantly. They could. You should ask them that question. I, I am not one of them. The reason why is because you need to attract enough of a critical mass that you would be able to say, we would provide enough revenue total. That way, when we divide it amongst all of us, we could do this. Plus the initial logistics of starting up and getting a league started in terms of you know, stadium contracts and all that stuff would probably be a difficult hurdle. But if you were able to overcome those two hurdles of a critical mass of players and stadium contracts in order to get games to play, I would prefer that situation where the players are getting like nearly 100% of the revenue and the only revenue that's not going towards them is towards administrative issues. Yeah. and That's I a guess, better league. Yeah. But to me, this is like, this is basically a... I won't say a version of that, but I was thinking my initial thought, because I think about this random shit all the time, was like, oh, 10% of all team value should be owned by the players who play it, and it should be paid out as like a dividend. So if you played for them even for a year, you get some percentage. So like years later, you're still getting a dividend from the Knicks for playing for that I, one year. It I, might I be tiny. Wait a second. Can I just rephrase what your big suggestion was in terms of forming the new league? Essentially, what you wanted the players to do was to collectivize and seize the means of production. Yeah, for sure. Yes. I said, I I'm just a wanted revolutionary. To know. <laughs> I'm a revolutionary. I just, I just wanted to, you to acknowledge that your big suggestion is Marxism. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not shitting well, on that. I just think it's funny that that's where we ended up this conversation. How well, should the salary cap work? Seize the means of production. <laughs> well, I think it's funny because, you know, the U.S., they hate communism, except in their sports leagues. <laughs> Right? I don't know. I know. I, I agree. I just think it's. I just didn't. If you had like asked me where this conversation was going to go, yeah. if we had ended on revolutionary Marxist theory, I wouldn't have put that down. I would. Oh, that's that's how I predict every conversation is going to end. Okay. Well, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but I don't know. I just I'm with you there. Where to me, in all the leagues, the players are the ones that add the value that 
especially now with COVID, put their bodies in harm's way. In football, they're literally putting their bodies like concussions, all this. And yes, they're getting paid, but the owners are making more money sitting on their behinds doing nothing in a year in appreciation than the players will make in their lifetime. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I know. I, I, I agree. I believe, I believe I said this earlier in like, I think that too much is going to capital and not enough is going to labor. I think were my exact words, which is again, yeah. pretty much Marxist theory again. I agree. I think ownership adds little to nothing besides literally owning the name and having the stadium contract. Yeah. That is their entire contribution. And which, by the way, initial... I don't believe that in most things. I believe that in sports. In sp- yeah. I think sports is the one area that actually Marxism would actually be good. Because here's the, here's the thing. In, in a lot of things, okay, you could, you could argue that the means of production like are a substantial thing what are the means of production that ownership owns that gives them any value they own they own the names a logo they ha- they own the names the logos and the stadium contracts that is it right yeah and none it's of those the- things are really significant con- like important contributions except for maybe the stadium contracts that is their entire value no because i guarantee you like who was it who did like uh like a summer, didn't someone do a summer league like LeBron summer league? And then there was like the big three tournament. Like I big guarantee, three, I remember. Yeah, if LeBron said I am leaving the NBA, starting my own league, and we're playing at a at a playground, like not even a real stadium, I guarantee you it would be one of the most watched things. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the sta- even the stadium contracts are. I feel like the stadium contracts still are more valuable than they're like, more valuable than nothing. Yeah. Well, okay, the other things that they own are the names and logos, essentially, and that's it. Which are only valuable because people play. If if yes. everyone left the NBA, they're useless. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and uh, I, that's what I'm saying. Their their primary value was the stadium contracts. That's it. That's like yeah. the primary value of ownership. If that's why I was saying the primary hurdle for this happening would be critical mass and stadium contracts. Honestly, COVID was the perfect time for something like this to happen. It was, but I mean, I guess that's, I don't know. Maybe there's stipulations in the contracts that they already had that were like non-compete contracts in terms of joining or creating another league. So no player that's already in the league could do it for the duration of their contract, which was probably the largest impediment towards the creation of this new league. Yeah, maybe. Right? I don't know. I, I, remember... I don't know. Because they could probably, if it, I, I'm guessing if LeBron started this new league tomorrow, he'd probably be sued for, for something. There's probably something in the NBA contracts that prevent them from playing in a, starting and creating and playing in a new league. You know what? There might be. But part of me also thinks the owners are so just like, no one's going to compete with us that they just kind of, they're so full of themselves that they don't, uh, they, they wouldn't don't even think, think that about they, it. You don't think that some lawyer was like, had this idea and was just like, let's just add this to the standard NBA contract. I feel yeah. like they would. Maybe, but I'm thinking, what could you do if you did? Like, they're going to sue them for what? For lost revenue based off of the fact that they no longer have LeBron in their league and there's a competing league. They could probably sue that new league for a lot of its revenue. I don't know. I feel like at that point, if you're saying... Okay, the, then the owners are getting a portion of our revenue anyways. That's, just so that's basically losses. a monopoly. You basically, that's my point. I'm pretty sure it's illegal to, other than, again, like there's the Sherman Act, which makes baseball able to have a monopoly and that, that they can do stuff like that. But anything else, I'm thinking, how can there be a loss, uh, uh, a clause that says no one can compete with us? Um, 
with within that's within contracts of pre-existing players. I think if you're a player who's not yet playing in the league, you probably or once you become a free agent, then you can go to another league. But anyone who's currently on contract can't go to the other league. Maybe. Is probably what it I is. And because they're most of the players are already on contract, unless all the players just said, "Hey, let's all set it up so we all have contracts. All of our new contracts expire." in a specific year every contract that we sign expires in 2024 and then all of us are free agents we can all do that and then we can do that that would take some planning i'm thinking the cba like Like the cba is coming up i'm sure i feel like that would be a time where you just like you add something in there where you just say like you add some minor clause to the cba that just says like they can't do something like that i feel like I feel like the NBA's lawyers would read that clause and be like, hmm, why are they so insistent on this? It seems suspicious maybe. that they're trying to do this. And the only thing that this could possibly lead to is that. And, I maybe, feel like... and maybe we're in the weeds now, but I find that most CBA negotiations, it's all about leverage. You say, oh, you want that clause in there? Then you got to do this. And they're willing to give up anything. But they always like, and you fake, you care about one clause. Like they say, oh, we really want this clause, but really they don't care about that clause. And that way they concede, okay, we'll give that up. But in return, you got to give us this. I I feel like though, that clause, the second you introduce it at all, someone reads over it and says, the only reason why this clause has any value is for the reason we're discussing. And then they're just like, that is an automatic no-go because that's just the weight that this league no longer exists in 10 years. Moral of this story, LeBron, if you're listening, hit me up. Let's start a league together. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I'd say, I had the idea of every NBA player just saying, let's all have our contracts expire in 2025 or something like that. That's definitely some form of collusion, right? There's someone who's breaking some colluding law there. So that's my question. Is there collusion? Can you even have collusion between players? I don't think so. I think in you between, can only have collusion between teams. Owners? I don't know. I feel like that is... It do, I think it depends how if, you do it. If players if say, start, I want to play with you, you should play with me, then that's okay. <laughs> that's one thing, but I think I think if you are saying, I am creating a plan for this thing that requires all of us to do this, and there's a financial incentive for all of us in doing this thing, that I feel like there's some law against that. I don't know. I don't know U.S. Is, is this antitrust law? I have no clue. I don't know the law well enough to give specific statements but i feel like some would be like mm, no. maybe there's a lot know. of okay. hypothesizing <laughs> okay on to the on to the next thing um do we okay complaints and grievances is would be here do you have complaints. I, I do, that section went on too long <laughs> it did uh so do you have a grievance to go with that complaint i find that grievances a, a, a nice recent grievance might pair nicely with that complaint you know yes. complimentary flavors very uh no honestly i told you i'm life's life's pretty good i don't have any complaints i don't i don't got many grievances i love that you say that but you're like much more i feel like you're generally more negative and pessimistic but when it comes to complaints you don't have specific complaints and grievances you just have general because i'm pessimistic about the direction of the world but not life itself i'm like my life's good but the world's going to shit but i'm okay (laughs) i i guess i i can i can yeah i guess there's a way in which that's a consistent like ideology my my inner let's let's move on let's not get into 
We've well, been, you just say, complained about us going on too long well, on yeah, the last well, two, one. I two was gonna qu- say two seconds. But I was gonna say, you know, I, I'm a big believer. You cannot control life. You can only control your actions. And so, you know, I look around and and you know, sometimes I'm reading a book that's pretty pessimistic about the future, and I go, oh, that's not good. But I can't change it. There's nothing I can do. So might as well just enjoy life and 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 have a good time. So I'm just trying to surround myself with loved ones and 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 uh, things that I enjoy and love and uh, make the most out of it as we uh, slowly uh, descend into darkness. Okay. Um, <laughs> on the topic of not being able to control your fate and things going poorly because of that, you guys want to you want to move into if Beale Street could talk now? Sure. Seems like a perfect I feel like segue. that is actually a very appropriate yeah yeah um so our movie of the week if is if Beale Street could talk um 2018 um same director as Moonlight, Moonlight. which we neither was neither of us were huge Moonlight people I'm pretty no. sure am I correct on that That is 100 Okay I'll um, give you my two cents on if Beale Street could talk which is see my review of Moonlight I think the acting was great. I think the acting was great. I think the, I I think the movie was okay. Like I, it just, it felt like it was trying to be very artistic and emotional. And again, I thought the acting was really well done and, but it just, it didn't do much for me. Like, I don't know. I thought, you know, it's well-written, well-directed, well-acted, just didn't feel like it uh it didn't hit the way that i wanted it to you know i didn't i didn't leave um with that emotional resonance um now i will admit i'm sure i did not have the greatest viewing experience i watched it on my laptop uh late at night uh trying to cram for it trying to trying to watch it so it was a smaller screen um, not cram big... for it you're it, this isn't like an exam where it's just like oh my god no. i haven't gone to, to but i thought we were gonna lecture. record last week so i tried to watch it the day before i thought we were gonna record last week because i had a very busy week last week and i didn't <laughs> so obviously i ended up could have watched it at a more reasonable time frame but because i uh because of my schedule i ended up having to uh watch it um at a less than optimal viewing experience Okay. Um so I'm I'm going to take a different approach. So um I went into to this um so this was directed by Barry Jenkins who made Moonlight, which I'm not a huge fan of. I think it's a good movie, but it wasn't a great movie. Um I think that this movie is great. I think this is a really great movie. Um uh, and I'm I'm going to just yeah, I'm going to save that thought for the end, actually. So, I'm going to just talk about a couple things that I really liked about this movie. Um, so, one thing that you mentioned already, um, but I, w- I want to go into more detail with, is the acting and the casting in this. Superb. Um, superb. So, let, let's start. The, the, the lead character of the movie is played by Kiki Lane. Um, she is amazing in this movie. Um, she holds the entire movie together really well. Uh, she's an actress that I had, don't think I'd seen before. Maybe I'd seen her in something else and I just hadn't recognized her. She is incredible in this. The rest of the movie is kind of, oh, there's a bunch of characters who are like two, three, four, five. They're, they're all at a similar level, but I'm going to speak. Uh, Stephen James, who played the boyfriend who is in 
jail. He was really, really great as well. Um, and then the mother and father were played by um, Regina King, who won an Oscar for her role and was incredible in this. I, I really like Regina King in pretty much everything. Um, uh, I thought that she was great in this. I think she deserved to win her Oscar for it. Um, and the father was played by um, Coleman Domingo, who I recognized him. I couldn't figure out from where, so I went and I looked at where I recognized him from, and I recognized him in the, the first scene of the movie, Lincoln, directed by Steven Spielberg. And I was just thinking back on that scene, I and the casting in that one scene, I know this is completely an aside, but amazing. It's David Oyelowo, who, um, like, before he was in, like, Selma and everything, and he was amazing. Coleman Domingo, who's great in this. Um, Dane DeHaan, like, the year before he became a lot bigger, and Lucas Haas, and it's just this tiny scene at the beginning of Lincoln that sets the stage really well with four characters you never see again. And all four of those guys are actors who I'm like, Oh wow, that's a guy. That's another guy. That's like real act. I, I'm just going to say Spielberg and whoever cast that scene. That is like one of the greatest casting moves ever. I'm just going to say, but Coleman Domingo was really great in this movie. Um, and the sister, I recognized her I didn't quite remember from where, but she had been in Mad Men in one of the later seasons. Yeah, um, so I recognized great casting. her too, and I didn't remember where. But no, I love. I said I love the cast, love the acting, no doubt. Yeah. Um. So so Brian Tyree Henry's in this movie. I love Brian Tyree Henry in literally everything he's ever been in. Same. Awesome. Um, Pedro Pascal and Diego Luna were both in this, and I thought that was great because they're both in Narcos and they're also both in various Star Wars properties. So I, I kind of always associate those two guys together. They're not in the same Star Wars properties and they're also not in the same Narcos properties, but just the fact that they're both in both of those, I kind of think of those two guys together. Um, they're both in this. I like both of them. The guy who plays the, um, the villainous cop, Ed Scrain or Scrine, I don't know. He's got a... He, that guy is just... a. His face, he looks like a villain. He's got a naturally just, yeah. you're doing the right thing He's if the you're villain playing in the, Deadpool. the bad, evil race. Yeah, right? He, does he not just like look and at him the and the villain just like, in wow, Alita Battle That Angel. guy is evil. And the villain in Transporter. Yeah, he's just a... And the, no, I'm, I'm saying naturally, he's not the villain in Transporter, is he? I thought no. he just... I think he just replaced Statham in it. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Um, naturally villainous face. Good job of casting him. Like he doesn't need to do a ton of acting. He just needs to look evil, and he does. So yeah. good on that. The only other actor that I can mention from this is the um, you have uh, Dave Franco in his like one scene, and I like Dave Franco. I think I might like Dave Franco better than James Franco. He just seems to be in more a greater number of normal projects. Yeah. Um, and I also, anytime that there's like a movie about racism and like the Jewish character is not racist, I'm like, yeah, good, yeah. good job there. Also, Jew. Dave Franco in what back-to-back -back weeks? Yeah, Wasn't he, um, he's in Twenty Two Jump he, Street. He's got a pretty small role. Yeah, he's got a small role in Twenty Two Jump Street where he has like, yeah, well, in Twenty One he's got a bigger role. In Twenty Two he's got a very small role. But he's also got a small role in this. Yeah, but um, he was good in his one scene as as the the guy who's showing them the. For the, sure. uh, the the loft where he'll actually rent them the stuff. Um, I'll just say yeah, this. All the casting, awesome. I agree 100%. Awesome casting. But I have always said 
casting and acting can only ruin a movie. It cannot enhance a movie. I've never seen a movie and said, wow, I'm so happy. That was so good because of the acting. The acting can keep up with the story and everything, or it can massively detract. But great acting, you can appreciate for itself. But I found this a masterclass in acting. I love the acting again, but just the movie didn't resonate. And I, I, I thought Regina King in this was amazing. I said, I love uh, Brian Tyree Hill. I love Stephen James. He's in, uh, have you ever seen Homecoming? It's a show on Netflix, uh, on Amazon Prime. I have not seen it, but uh, so the first season was great. And so again, the first season was the Julia Roberts season. Yeah, and he was great in it, but I don't know. It just, the movie, uh, lately I've watched movies and they just feel like, and, and same with Moonlight, they feel like they're trying to be artsy and emotional instead of being artsy and emotional if that makes sense uh, i i felt this one was very this one worked for me in terms yeah. of i don't know I, I think part of it is just that what this movie is about feels extremely relevant today i mean the, oh the, for sure how much like this i feel like in in many ways like this was the 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 current moment that we're in is a, a right time to be discussing this type of movie oh yeah. um i don't i feel it feels and by the way, I don't think this was a bad movie. I don't think it was a bad movie. I actually compare it to The Joker. You saw The Joker, right? Yeah, and I, I thought The Joker was also a really good movie. So I, right. I, I thought The Joker was a good movie that tried to be more than it was. It tried. It, I just don't like movies that try too hard. And I felt like this and The Joker both had too many scenes that dragged on too long trying to be uh, Oscar bait. I think that's that's the formula for Oscar bait. Just have someone dancing by themselves in slow motion or anything and have it instead for two seconds, have it for 30 seconds. And that will automatically get the Oscar noticed because that's how this seemed to me too, where there was a lot of scenes of him just working with wood that did nothing for me. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's working with wood. Two minutes. Okay. Um, none of that bothered me in either of these movies. Um, at all, um, but I was I was going to say that yeah, it feels very relevant today. For sure, um, racist cop, racist justice system, and the consequences of that. And also, um, another thing that felt very relevant, like relevant to today, is I I, th I think it did a good job of showing the 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 fact that you know for for victims of rape, it, it's a very difficult situation because confronting it, it's uh, there's a re-traumatization that occurs, which is why there's a lot of difficulties in those cases so i thought it did sure. a good job of showing that as well so i thought both of that both of those things were, were really good well, um, and i want to touch on one other thing which is that again like it's not just a racist uh criminal justice system but it's it's the unfairness of you know he has to i don't like not to ruin too much but he has to prove his innocence and because of that he has to send his mother to go to where was it puerto rico Yes, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico to see the woman. They're spending tons of money. And in the end, he he pleads guilty to a crime he did not commit because it just made more financial sense. And there's lots of people that go either to, they stay in jail because they can't afford bail, and then they plead out because they can't afford a good enough lawyer or anything. And it just makes financial sense. And so like the, the monetary unfairness of the court system, where we're not supposed to have a court system that locks you up because you're rich or because you're poor. And yet that's that's the way it is. Rich people 
get out on bail. You have the money, you get out on bail, and there's there's people that just say, okay, peace. I'll, I'll give half a million dollars for my freedom, and they never go back. And meanwhile, there's lots of people who cannot afford bail, cannot afford to, uh, you know, just keep paying for lawyers or for or or for um, investigators, and they plead guilty to something that that wasn't that. So I do like also that they didn't cop out and have a happy ending. Um, you know, where oh, a miracle juror found well, it, the, it's, the it's key. based on it's based on a book, so that would be yeah. changing the ending significantly because um, no one's ever changed a from the James Baldwin. It is know, James Baldwin. Okay. I feel like the, yeah, the, I feel like if you change some some people, you some authors, you change their ending. That's one thing. I feel like James Baldwin is the type of has the type of prestige and respect that if you were to change the ending to his books that's not gonna go over i agree well. but fine then i'll give props to james baldwin for not pulling any punches is the point is that i do think that that was I, i'll say this i like the ending a lot i did i really did like of the emotional connection i made it was strongest at the end i just found a lot of the middle dragged i like the very beginning i like the end and i found the middle pretty boring okay um which was the same with moonlight uh, I, I, Moonlight, I kind of just felt the entire, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I, I, I just kind of felt like it was the entire, when you're saying this, the middle drag, the interesting and the end were, were interesting. Um, the beginning and the end were interesting. I just didn't, I don't, I don't think any part of Moonlight, I felt like this isn't dragging, but that's, that's fair. That's kind of my opinion. I thought the the I I kind of liked the beginning more partly because I thought Mahershala Ali uh, was really good and oh yeah, Janelle Monae was really awesome. Janelle, oh, okay, that's who. It, Homecoming season two is starring Janelle Monae, I think, yeah. and I I just love I just like Janelle Monae a lot. I like yeah. her personality, her attitude, her music is awesome. If you've ever yeah. listened to that, um, yeah. Um, but going to the beginning of this movie, I wanted to talk about the scene. Um, with Fawny's family compared to Tish's family, where oh, they yeah. um, Fawny's family appears for that one scene for the the mother and sisters. The father appears again, but Fawny's mother and sister, I, you can tell. I thought they did a really good job of showing just not from anything, just except their appearances. You can tell a huge amount of difference between them. Tish's family, natural hair, very casual dress, and whereas Fawny's family shows up, they all have extremely straightened hair, unnaturally straightened hair, extremely formal dress that gives you a sense of, I, give, I think you could tell a lot about these two groups from just how their, their, their appearances were. For sure. And if you want to dive in, you could, but just the way they talk. Yeah, the, the way that they talked. And then the, the, the mom and those sisters are awful. Yeah. Just awful. Ugh, they're terrible. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I, I I just wanted to mention that, but I thought the the way that they showed those differences with with without having to do any explanation already, like the second you see them, you have a good strong sense. I thought that was really effective. Um, one other thing that I just want to mention from the movie before I'm I'm ready to wrap up on this is I can't remember another movie where black romance was portrayed with this type of intimacy on the screen which i feel like it was a really nice portrayal of that in that way and that it gave it a certain it gave it a really nice sense that you don't get in a lot of hollywood movies i agree um, it seemed very natural and one of my 
And one of my favorite scenes was that scene with Dave Franco where they're joking about uh, moving into that warehouse space. And he's like, oh, help me lift the fridge. Like it was just very uh, playful. And it, it really did seem like an, a, something just so natural and the little parts of a relationship that people don't always see. That's not the big grand gestures, but it, I really, really enjoyed um Again, like I didn't. Just I don't want you to think I, representation level. I thought yeah. that was all. Again, really... I don't want you to think that I didn't like the movie. I just thought it was good. It was good, but it felt like it was could like it's all about expectations, and I wanted more from it. I I I, I, I thought this movie could have been so much better, and I thought it was just good. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm just going to say I we both agreed that the acting was something that we wanted to to highlight from this movie. So I'm just going to mention if you re, if if you want to see these actors and other stuff, Kiki Lane, who's like the central person of the central actress of this movie, can currently be seen in the movie The Old Guard on Netflix, which is I feel like a lot of people have probably seen that. You I saw that I, the day before I watched this, and yeah. I did not recognize her. <laughs> I literally she's such a badass in that, and here. She's she is so different, and I said her face looks familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. And I was like, "Oh my god, it's the same actress." You, yeah, she's good. Um, yeah, uh, Tiana Paris, who's the sister, and Coleman Domingo, who played the father, will be in the upcoming Candyman movie, which we've spoken about that Jordan Peele is producing. We've spoken about that previously on the pod. They're going yep. to be in that, so if you want to see them, they can be in that. And Regina King. Uh, can be seen in Watchmen on HBO. She she plays the lead character of uh, in, in Watchmen. Uh, I also so I just want to talk about great. Regina King for she a bit. So good. I I love Regina King and her career. To me, it's it's interesting because she when she first started out, like from when she started, I think she she was doing uh, one of her first movies was like Boys in the Hood, and she was in a bunch of movies by John Singleton, who was the director. She did mostly movies for her career up until Ray in 2004, where she was really good in Ray. And mm -hmm. then from 2004 up until uh, today, um, she's she's been in like five movies and two voice works, and that's all she's done in in movies for like 16 years. And she hasn't she hasn't done anything. Uh, the only movie she's done in the past decade is Beale Street. Like she's done one movie in the past decade, and like the the years before that, she did a couple and some voice work. It's mostly been TV, and I I want to see her do some some more movies because I think she's an amazing actress, and I just want to see her do more. Um, fantastic. The my, one thing that I was going to say that I I was going to say my my closing thoughts on it are, you know, I'm very ha again even though I was was hoping for more, uh, I'm still very happy I saw it because you know I I do think one thing I want to try is again part of this is part of this just talking the the movies of the week is seeing movies we wouldn't otherwise have seen seeing movies from um directors and uh, more independent movies more movies that are different more movies that maybe don't get the attention of the spotlight so i'm very happy that we got the chance to do it and i you know the more i talk about it the more i'm coming around to you know what it was it, i think it might have been a, a an issue of like my expectation versus the actuality where you know if i just looked at it without comparing and contrasting i'm like it was pretty good but it's because i really was expecting more um that it i finished a little um feeling a little empty but you know when we're talking about those scenes like that end very emotional the you know the detail like you put it you talked about with the sisters and the mother and their hair like the, there's there's 
it's very obvious that Barry Jenkins and his his staff put a lot of love, attention, and effort into this movie. And again, it didn't all resonate with me, but I appreciate that he made it because it's very obvious that all the um, everyone working on it, the actors, the director, everyone um, really put their all into it. And again, it, it comes out clearest in the acting where the actors really, you could see that they're putting it all out there, but there is so much attention. And so again, not my favorite movie, but I, I, I still really did uh, enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, I, re- I, I enjoyed this movie more than you did, but I, my, my closing thought is I, I really enjoyed this movie. The one thing that I could really think of that I, that I would have wanted is not to do with this movie so much as Moonlight winning in 2016. I would have preferred if this had won two years later in 2018 and beat Green Book because I don't, I don't, Green Book is super mediocre. I know, and, that's how you feel. Even though I wonder if, if then you would have also not liked this because you would have thought, oh, this wasn't deserving of winning. And maybe that's you why know what? Moonlight I, it, 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 Moonlight's a good movie, same, but it won. So I'm like, ugh. Yeah. So I, I personally, if this had beat, if this had beat Green Book and Arrival had beat Moonlight, Ugh. I am over I the mean, moon. I would have been that would have been I Arrival's amazing. Like that's just period. Like yeah, but I don't know if the, this beating that would have made any difference to me. It's just the Arrival. To me, Arrival was one of my favorites. I, I also I I think Green Book winning was. I've got opinions on on Oscar winners that I'll go over in in a future episode because I've been working on a a long-term project about Oscar Best Picture winners. We'll get into that in a future episode. But I really enjoyed um, this movie. I thought it was good. And I, I also do enjoy highlighting um, other movies that, that we wouldn't you know, usually have seen and in, in stretching yeah. uh, our, our viewing habits and trying to, to highlight these other things. Um, and that brings up a good point, which is what movie we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to talk about what we've got coming up next week? Not just in terms of movie, but our whole episode? Because we've got uh, got another guest coming on. Yes, we do. So we have um, the wonderful and talented Jeff Greenberg um, from Eastern Canada. No, he's he's from here, but he's currently residing in Halifax. And we're going to watch one of his favorites, uh, the German movie, The Lives of Others. Um, I actually Um, don't know... I, it's it's 2006. I've seen this movie before. I am l- very happy that we're going to be talking about this movie. I think there's a lot to talk about. It's a really good movie. I want to save the discussion for next week, though. Good. I, I'm happy you interrupted me because I was about to try to ex- say it in German. I was like, mm, probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. No. I would. I would. I would uh, take the under on something like that. Um, so uh, for next week, that was that's our movie of the week. For next week, our jam session is going to be um, by one of Jeff's and one of my favorite bands it's going to be by Arcade Fire. We're going to be talking about the album Neon Bible from 2007, um, which I, I, again, I'm really happy about. I think that this is like one of their kind of their forgotten album because in between uh, their, the suburbs and funeral, which are, are albums that get a, a lot of talk. And this one, I think, deserves to be more discussed. And, um, and the last yeah, do you want to talk about what our discussion, discussion? Yeah, our discussion is going to be all things wrestling. So Jeff's a huge wrestling fan. He actually has his own podcast, uh, which is all about wrestling. Um, so, Mike, I know you watch maybe a tiny bit of wrestling in your life. I have not watched much wrestling. Um, so we're going to have an expert on We're going to have a lot to discuss. I think it should be interesting. 
uh, bringing a bunch of different opinions. But yeah, it should be a good. It should be a great episode. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. Um, so before we go, Josh, did you have a secret word this week? I did, and I didn't use it. <laughs> I literally oh, okay. uh, forgot. <laughs> okay. All right. Let, let me rephrase. I did not forget. I could not find a way of using it. I I had a way to use it, and the opportunity missed. It. I was too in the zone, and then I was like, "Nope, not going to be able to." Uh you you got too focused, man. You got to got to stay loose. Um. So I had a secret word this week, and I used my secret word this week. Do you have a guess? I'm ninety percent sure I know what it is, but I unfortunately did not write it down at in the moment. I was like, "That's what it is." Uh, and the okay, second I've got it, one that I, I've got one that was my actual word, and I've got one that I think you think it was. Fine, so say which the was not planned, but I think that you think the word was gauche. No. Oh. It was too okay. Well, I didn't think it was gauche. Okay. Well, the the actual word was modulation. Yep, that's what I thought it was. But I couldn't. I did not write it down. Actually, no modulation. I thought I, when I was talking about how how um, Mac DeMarco's guitar tone has uh, nice chorus no. and vibrato there's modulation. There's another word you used that has a similar meaning to modulation that you used that I thought it was, but no, it was a modulation. So you got me. Oh, okay. Um, there's another word you used, but gauche. I knew you, 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 you over. You're thinking so much. You're like, oh, I'm gonna throw in a fake word to make him think that that's no. The that word. wasn't that wasn't thrown in to be a fake word. I just, I just said it as part of that joke. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a good word. I think you said that could be a good fake out word another time or something. No, because I didn't say mod. Anyways, if if you think about it, you can you can. I'll re- re- listen to this whole thing. <laughs> okay. Um. So, before we leave, I gotta ask you just to be sure, give you some time to prepare. Are you ready for sign-offs? I was born ready. Okay, you said that you said that last time, and then it it still didn't work. So, when you're ready, take us away. Whew. Gotta pump myself up here. Do you want to listen to some jock jams? Yeah, something with some power uh, okay, chords going on. This has been Josh Lipton. <laughs> And this has been Michael Lipton. And you have been solo hablando. That is just talking in Spanish. <laughs> yes, but it, again, you got it wrong. You're supposed to be, and we've been oh just talking. God. So we've been solo hablando. Come on, jo- come hey, on. Yeah. Uh, we've been. <laughs> you should have listened to like, uh, like some songs from like some movies. Like, you're the best around. Get yourself pumped up and ready. Okay, let's do this one more time. All right, and let's do this in let's English. Do it in English. Are you sure you got it? Okay. Born ready. This has been Josh Lipton. This has been Michael Lipton. And we've been just talking. Just talking. See you next week. Mm-hmm.